everybody, welcome to the Common Thread Collective. This is Global Val here. You're listening to MutinyRadio.fm. And actually, Mutiny Radio has a new website. And so when you type in MutinyRadio.fm, you see this new website. It's just getting updated. It's kind of getting off the ground. Uh, we're, we're picking up speed with that. So in the meantime, um, hopefully you're still checking out our, our most act, our active site, um, which is PCRCollective.org. That's where you're probably listening now, or uh, that's where you can still get our most recent podcasts. Um, but on the new website, which is, uh, which is going to be, you know, kind of up and running in the next few weeks, you can actually go on and see some of our older archives that actually aren't on the PCR site. So, um, kind of exciting times. It's definitely a transition. So, uh, hope you're able to find us and, uh, and, uh, we're having a good time here. Hey, Damon, Dave. And those podcasts, we should be going up. I really, hey, Val, I really, the, uh, uh, really, uh, kind of our the the history, history and hipster of our life is week by week we've been having this show. Week by week we've been inviting inviting people in who are involved in what's going on. And the way I say it, uh, Jenny, welcome. Uh, Thanks, Dave. The, the Jenny is the treasurer of AFT 2121, and we're going to be talking a bit about what's going on. They had a 90% vote to authorize a strike, uh, a strike there. We're going to find what that means. And what I always say, Jenny, is that's what I do say. Not always, but what I do say, what I'm going to say now, this program is about what this program is about at City, right. in the City, on the planet, 
and in the street. All right. There you find us. There you know you find me because you see me there, there, and there. But anyway, uh, to be continued uh, in a few minutes, because here's our brother to introduce. Uh, he had on the Melodonia. Is that how you say it? The melodica. Have, at the mel, yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> All right. Okay. Our, our brother, Blood Flower. Well, he's going to do our prelude. He's going to open up and set the, set, the, the, set the basis of our activity. So anyway, Blood Flower, take it away. Thank you. Thank you. There we go.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like I've I feel like I've been reset yes, a little bit. To me. <laughs> no, it's a good thing. Necessary. It's a good thing. It's a good it's thing. It's a good thing. Well, I was going to say, there's some things that can't be said, but there are other ways you might be able to say it. And he just said it. He just said that basis. I got the line I was thinking when I'm hearing it is it's always darkest uh, just before the dawn. But when you least expect it, help will come along. And Bloodflower, you look like some kind of a guru up there with, uh, with, his, uh, with his listeners. Let's say it with just those words. I, I reached the point, I can't say it in the words, but I can pick up my melodia. There's a melodia, people, and say it that way. The melodica. Melodica, pardon me. You could say it that way, though, Melodica. There you go. Hey, the, 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 stay around, we have blood flower. I think <laughs> I will want you to maybe turning into a blood flower show. And blood flower <laughs> comes each and every week, as the regular listeners know, and he's always ready to open up in a good way and, uh, and set, the, uh, set the framework. They say contact is everything. And here I have Jenny twirling. Jenny Whirling. Whirling. Oh, Whirling. I was thinking of the Whirling, Whirling Dervishes. Yeah, that's either way. Around <laughs> and around and around <laughs> we go. And the Whirling is at that one hand. It says right there in the book. Uh, and anyway, Rumi. He says uh, that's, uh, that's both, uh, that's both uh, galactic, which is uh, everything, and uh, anyway. Anyway, so Jenny. Yeah. What I brought you here, what brought you here is that I saw that the um, that the uh, the union that is 2121 of the teachers AFT at City College have voted. I saw them had, had voted for strike authorization. I wasn't too surprised. Right. And then I came to your down the block down Ocean Ocean Avenue a few blocks, and there is your uh, is your nest, if you will, instead of AFT 21. 21, and I came in and I said, not only did we get a strike authorization, but it was 92%. That's right. No, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? Uh, literally, uh, literally uh, tell us, will you, Jenny? What that means is the um, AFT 2121 is the faculty union at City College of San Francisco, and we have been in contract negotiations for over a year. We've been almost a year without a contract, and we uh, cannot come to agreement with the administration, um, and we've come to a kind of deadlock with them, and just last week our, the faculty voted by a 92% majority to authorize a strike if it's necessary. So we're, we're not on strike yet, but the faculty said enough's enough, and they gave the negotiating team the, the go-ahead to call a strike when the, team, when the team feels like there's no other option. And uh, we're getting awful close to that. Well, let me ask you that. You said uh, you're not getting a... You're not getting the, the kind of uh, the kind of response that you'd like. Right. You're that in fact, in fact, they've um, they're they're they, they haven't been they haven't been ready to negotiate for a while face to face. They brought in a mediation. Right. The mediation means somebody who's neutral, mm -hmm. who comes from the state, whose job is to talk to each side, 
uh, talk to each side in the, in the way that each that each that each side will, will agree to. That uh, they can talk to you with both in the room. Right. They can talk to you, to you in separate rooms. That's right. Or they can talk to you at separate times. That's right. And we've been in mediation since um, February, early February. Um, we called impasse, which means we just were not getting anywhere with the management or the administration. Uh, we called the impasse back in January, and we started mediation early February, and we've been giving it our best go, but it just doesn't look like the administration is, is willing to meet us. Um, yeah, the big issue that we're facing is the, the teachers at City College are still at, we're still paid below what we were paid in 2007. So that's almost 10 years now. I mean, it's getting on, it's nine years without a, ra you know, a raise, but also below what we were making way back then. And so we want to get, uh, we took some pay cuts back when the budget was tight that. and when there was all kinds of trouble with um, accreditation. And the faculty were really the ones who fought for City College to, you know, gain its accreditation back and to, and now we've got that accrediting agency really on the run. They're getting kicked out of California community colleges. The, the community college presidents just voted yesterday by an overwhelming majority to get rid of that accreditor, right? right. And that's this was a to, private... Wow, yes. that's, that's private. major. Yeah. That's yeah, major. So, wait, who, who got to vote for that? The community college presidents in California. Okay. So the um, chancellors and presidents, yeah, and they, they voted, yeah. right, yeah, like overwhelmingly that we want to get rid of that accreditor. And, um, you know, largely that's thanks to the organizing that the City College faculty started to do in response. Um, and they've been, that accreditor has been attacking little community colleges for years and years, but the little community colleges didn't really have the ability to fight back. Right. Um, and so when they came after City College, some people around the state were like, okay, now they're going to get it. You know, um, they, and they did. They messed, they, they finally messed with, um, with, uh, you know, college that was big enough to take them on. I would like to say, they, yeah. in other words, they bit off more than they could chew. They did bite off more than they could chew. And, you know, the, everyone knows that it was not about the educational quality. It was about this, this private organization trying to downsize a college that is there and has been there for San Franciscans for decades, you know. So, so yeah, the faculty has really led the fight there, and now we're just looking to get ourselves back. We're, we're um, losing lots of faculty. People have left my department. Um, you know, I'm in the English department, and people are leaving all the time because the the pay just hasn't kept up with the cost of living here. Living in this city. Right. Gentrification. Yeah. Living in this city. Not even teachers can afford to live here anymore. Yeah. In those right. cases. Yeah, it's, now, it's, it's huge. I mean, I mean, we're talking, you're talking about the city college level. Yeah. Um, last week I was talking to Sandra Fewer, who was on the uh, Board of Education, so she's working with the San Francisco Unified right, School District. Right. And, and one of the things that she mentioned uh, last week was that... Um, she said, I can't tell you how many letters I've written on behalf of teachers who are getting evicted. Yes. Just trying to help keep them in their homes. Yeah. Because it's so disruptive to have teachers who live and work provide a, a civil service, a public service as teachers um, and, and, and are not paid um, fairly yeah, for the work and influence that, that they have. And Sandra, have. of course, is so, one of the mothers, right? Yeah, she's running for supervisor. Yeah, there's three one. mothers running for supervisors. Right, yes. uh, because three of our, our, our greatest allies are being uh, termed out. Right. That's uh, Eric Meyer in her case, Kimberly 
Kim, get, Kim Alvarenga is running Kim in, 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 in the case of because uh, Avalos is going to be Avalos. And then David Santos and whose district we're sitting, it's uh, it's Hillary. Hillary Ronan, Ronan is the chief of staff for David Campos here That's in right. District Nine. But um, getting back to uh, <laughs> well, I know I want to yeah. get. But it's good to have a little yeah. aggression That's here. That's true. And if you want to, I mean, yeah, I, I hosted them uh, last week on Women's Magazine here on March 11th, oh, great. Um, which is a show before this one. Um, but anyhow, we want to. We do. We're connecting the dots, right, Dave? But That's we want to also stay focused on what's going on with CCSF and and uh, kind of what what what. Well, so do. the strike has been voted to be uh, the the author, strike author. Authorization has been voted upon. That's right. And why I mentioned this, Val, is that uh, those three supervisors are the ones that always, that each way, that all of them have come and supported us over and over again at City College mm -hmm. and understood the relationship between City College and 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 uh, District 11, District 5, District 1, and the Board of Supervisors, who in fact there's going to be a battle, it's a, battle a great battle over, because uh, they like the, the, what they call the moderate power, which are not familiar City College really, uh, uh, really want to uh, be able to be a majority. Yeah. But we've been able to rely on them up to now. They've come for us. David has come out again and again, and uh, when we needed him, and there we are. So let's get back. You're right. So, uh, well, the question I want to ask you then, before I digressed, is that uh, say management at City College. Now, of course, we've had a number of uh, tr uh, trustees. Right. We had a number of chancellors. Now we have a chancellor now who looks like she's going to stay. Yes. Uh, by Tom. And but uh, who is uh, who? In, in fact, is you have we had, but we've had many uh, many uh, associate chancellors uh, come and go. It's hard to even keep track who they are. Who is the management? Who do you, do you have a good idea? Who it is that who's calling the shots? Well, uh, yeah, the um, you know the chancellor now is Susan Lamb, and she's a longtime City College uh, administrator. Well, she's she's not me. someone yeah. who's come from the outside or been placed there. So she's our first chancellor, gosh, the first chancellor in three or four years who's you know actually come up through the ranks at City College and really knows the college. Um, so we're happy to have to have her in that position. Um, of course, we're not happy with the way that negotiations are going, but ultimately, it's our board of trustees who has the say, uh, and those are elected officials, right? So the, the college board are—they're um, the ones who hold the purse strings and who decide: are we going to—are we going to give the faculty what they need, or are we going to keep acting under this um, austerity plan? You know that the that accrediting agency came and tried to impose on us. And in fact, they—they uh, they they finally got to the idea of a two-year period in which uh, City College would be able to, quote-unquote, get its act together. Yeah. And that two years is coming up, and that was accepted by whoever, I guess, the same management we're talking about, uh, even though that there'll be no there'll be no appeal. Theoretically, there's no appeal from that, uh, the, how it is that they look at City College after two years. They're going to be coming soon. They're going to be theoretically talking to everybody, theoretically around. A bunch of visitors are coming, right. and then the decision will be made whether we have accreditation or we have no accreditation. Am I right? That's, right. That's correct, yes. 
and uh, and so that now, now you talked about the board of trustees being in fact uh, the management, but in fact you and I know the board of, the board of trustees are just back after being suspended for quite a long period. That's right. There's a tremendous amount of pressure on them from, from you know from the creditors and from the state to um, to cut back and to uh, to cut the budget and to to cut the pay for you know one of the things that the accreditation agency said was City College spends too much on its um, workers and not, and it doesn't have a big enough administration. Now I most know, voters, odd. most people would right. say, hey, what? the bloated administration is the problem, and this group is coming and saying like, hey, bloat that administration and shortchange those teachers, right? And the and the staff as well. You know, all Thank the other people who work in the offices and keep the college going. So yeah, so we're standing up against that. You know, 22 faculty were just arrested a week ago today. Yeah, tell us yeah. about that. How did that happen? We were um, we had a demonstration downtown. There was a big convention of all the teachers unions. California Federation of Teachers uh, had its yearly convention in San Francisco this year, and that just so happens to coincide with our strike vote. And so we decided, hey, let's have a demonstration. We'll have all these teachers from all around the state come out in solidarity. Wow. So there were hundreds of people in the in the streets marching with us in solidarity, well, demanding demanding that the administration settle our contract. And uh, a number of us sat in the doorway at the attorney's office, like the attorney for City College uh, who's been negotiating with us, uh, Jeff Sloan, is um, kind of leading the administration side of the negotiations. So we sat in his... uh, his office building um, doorway, and um, we we sat there for probably an hour before the police arrested us. But yeah, they arrested 22 faculty from City College, and then also from um, uni- uni- uh, UESF, the uh, United Educators of San Francisco. The public school teachers joined us. Um, so yeah, so so we're really committed to this, and it's we're ready to go the distance for it. Wow. Now you mentioned board trustees. Yes. They meet uh, one uh, Thursday. The meeting must be coming up. That's right. And uh, maybe this Thursday. I don't know. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't have the date on me. But anyway, now uh, since there are, you guys, you folks, okay, I, I know a lot of you, we go there. I go every 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 meeting. In fact, I was the one who first said, we used the word coup d'etat yeah. in what seemed to be happening here. I said, this is like a soft coup d'etat. It's not like a bunch of people coming in with guns. There's a bunch of people coming and taking over. Right. And to the state, I don't really know what they have in mind. I know that, uh, that through them, they claim they're bringing, bringing enrollment up, but enrollment's coming down. And just on a... On a um, on an anecdotal, that's what I'm looking for, on an anecdotal basis, talking to people, everybody tells me about difficulties they've had in registering, difficulties they had in getting classes that seem separately to be just the way, it, just bureaucratic, whatever. But when you take them together, you wonder if something is going on here. Whether was there uh, some kind of request made that things be made as difficult as possible uh, for people to register? I hear all kinds of complaints. Yeah. I myself... It's my last semester after many, many years, as you know, as a, as a long term, as a lifelong learner, I'm out uh, because they've, uh, they've, uh, it was decided somewhere to cut the bog waiver, which is uh, for free tuition, people like myself, like on Social Security and so on, to go free. And you, but after a certain number of credits now, you're out the door. That's right. So I'm out the door, and that uh, that began. And I look at like where that began, when 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 they took lifelong love, like lifelong learning off the mission statement. I wondered what they were going to do. I spoke against it as a lifelong learner. 
Turner, and in fact was put on, this is kind of funny, I was put on, they announced that we have a committee around this, we need some students, so we're putting on Diamond Dave and Chanel Williams right. on this committee. I mean, that's good. So we went there, and I went to, this is kind of funny, this is anecdotal. And I went there to speak against it, of course, with Chanel by my side. And they said, oh, no, that's already been decided. And then I realized it's wanted my, my name and her name to say that it's okay with students. And of all the students, Chanel Williams and Diamond Dave, that lifelong learning, cultural enrichment, and civic involvement should be erased from the mission statement. Uh huh. Yeah. There's been so they they tried to get you there. Just made the just to recover. Right. Yeah. And I said no know, way. Of course, Chanel or you or Chanel would never vote for that. Of course uh, not. Yes. Yeah. So that's been a real push too. Is to to narrow the mission of City College. So you know, right now, we provide um, we provide sure we have. Um, first two years of college for students who are going to transfer to the UCs or to the Cal State system or even out of state. But we also have vocational training programs. We have All ESL right. programs. We have non-credit programs. Um, we have lifelong learning programs like you want to learn a new language or you want to take an art class. So we've, we have all of those. Um, we have great diversity programs, African-American studies, LGBT studies, women's studies, um, Asian-American studies. So we have those great programs and things like that have really been targeted um, during this accreditation fight and during this downsizing. And external continued. or not, those are the departments, those are the agencies where you find, find the strongest support for the unions, where, where people speak of it, who make it part of what they're doing. I mean, uh, ethnic studies, Latin, uh, Latino studies, black studies, women's studies, mm -hmm. and those are all studies. And also the, those are programs that, support, that politically are the most progressive, that support this, and also have uh, more and more have more of the most uh, faculty, part-time faculty, uh, yes. learners, so who have to, uh, who in order to just to make a living, enough of a living to survive, have to work like I'm, like I have a teacher in uh, Filipino studies, uh, it's Filipino music, Filipino art, who has to immediately leave uh, after the class, hop in her car, That's and right. go all the way over to the wine country to teach another class. That's right. Yeah, the the use of part-time labor is a real problem in in all in in um, the academy in general, in universities as well as community colleges. But and I think that one thing that a lot of people oh, don't understand is that people are part-time instructors, not. It's not because oh, there's only a few classes that we need covered, and therefore we'll hire some part time. No, the you know ha something like 60% of our I don't know what the exact number is, but a huge number, probably 60% of our faculty are part time, which means that they're hiring them part time to get a, around paying full time salaries, right? Right, and and some and and how does that affect benefits for? Um, there, we do. We have fought very long and hard, and our our part timers do have um, some of the benefits, the health benefits, for example. Um, they have to be with us for a little uh, longer in order to get those, but um, they don't have all the benefits of full timers. But right, so that's another way. They're they're less expensive. One of the things that we've done in our in AFT twenty one twenty one, the faculty union, is to really fight for part-timers to be paid as close as possible to full-timers, and that's why our part-timers, we've insisted on that they get medical insurance after a certain amount of time. They get some of those benefits, and that, and it's not just, you know, the, oh, that, that's the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do. Sorry. Um, 
it's not just the right thing to do, it's that that really protects everybody, right? Because if you don't, if you're not able to underpay these people and to treat them badly, then then you don't have as much of a um, kind of race to the bottom, right? So kind of the battle lines have been drawn, if I may use that uh, yeah. metaphor, have been drawn, and yet you've been, I say, at city, in the city, on the planet, in the street, so now, and, and so this is something we see now happening, not only in community colleges, by the way, we've been my brother uh, Wade Speedy Woods, who's uh, running for the for the Democratic Central Committee. He and I have known each other for many years since he was a young fellow, and I was a young, younger fellow, and here we are again. Is that right, Speedy? Hey, we've been together a long time, Dave. Okay, well, and he's running, so he, he needs to know to observe this and maybe ask a question or two, because he's going to be in the mix. And we're talking about the need, the need for the for the city, the people, the progressive members, the progressive block, if I will, of the board of supervisors of the central committee to know what's happening at city, so they can uh, so they can know how, how to. So give a listen, brother. That's so, what I want to say to you. And so, what's the, um, what are the, what are the faculty asking for that has had uh, a lot of pushback? We've been asking to restore our wages to 2007 levels, and then to and to then gradually over the course of either two or three years to raise up. Uh, raise us up to where we should be um, to restore us and so to give us some um, um, cost of living. We took a, f a number of pay cuts and freezes and That's all right, kinds of things over the years and we want to get back um, some of those wages. Um, at first they were trying to separate the full-timers and part-timers right. uh, but we've stood firm on that and are insisting that everyone you know an entry to one is an entry to all everyone gets the same. So our restoring our salaries and then bringing us up to a livable wage for the city of San Francisco. Um, and then also some other issues that we have some faculty who teach at, um, they teach like a lab class as opposed to say a lecture class. And some of them are paid as little as 60% of the lecture rate, just 60%, some of them are paid 70%. So we're trying to get that a little bit closer so that everyone is closer to an equal rate of pay, for equal pay for equal work. And then another really important thing is recently um, some classes have been changed from de designated as lecture class to suddenly designated as a lab class. Interesting. The professors are doing the exact same work that they were doing previously, but magically their pay is going to be cut. Magically. Wow. You know, yeah, 40% in some cases. So that we're just saying, you know, no, you're yeah. not just going to magically, you know, nothing, nothing's changed for the, for the work, nothing's changed for the students. The students are getting the same, you know, and so we're saying, no, you can't just change the name of it in order to cut someone's pay by 40%. That's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a huge uh, slap in the face and just, it's a, it's a scary thing. Yeah. And there's been a couple of slaps in the face, didn't really work. Now there's another uh, there's another uh, bargaining body there, which is the uh, the department heads. Right. The department heads of city college is kind of like a anarcho-syndicalist thing, are elected by the by the by the members of the department. Is That's that right? right. Yes. So this is like a little bit of anarchism, and they're right. And so they've had a council 
uh, council of the department heads, which this very body, the administration, tried to get rid of, tried to because right. they had to negotiate with them, but in fact they failed. Is that right? That's right. They so failed. It was another victory. Yeah. Yeah, it was another victory. Um, that yeah. So the department heads are elected by the people in their department. So we say who we think would be a great you know chair for the department, and that's who um, supervises and um, you know assigns courses to teach and evaluates. Um, so it's it's fairly democratic, and a, a lot of those democratic methods um, have. There's been a real push to get rid of those and to put them up to traditional management Hierarchical. administration. Yeah. Hierarchical. Yes. Now that that big of uh, democratic methods, we do have again after a long period in which, uh, as part of the uh, the the process of uh, of accreditation. We've done away with it. I'm talking about the Board of Trustees. Now, democratically, the Board of Trustees are elected by the voters of the city and county of San Francisco, right. and they'll be meeting soon. Now, do you have plans as a union, do you know? Do you have plans of a union? Since they're the ones who, uh, as you say, ostensibly are the ones who are running things, are elected to do that, yes. of coming to the meeting and saying, hey, folks, it's time. You're back. For a long period, they were there, but they didn't come back, but they, had, they kept their heads down. There was very little coming from them. It was like a bunch of people with their head down, afraid, really, of the, uh, afraid really of the administration, afraid of the, of the trustee in somewhere else, but I think they begin to step up a bit. I'm going to the meeting as a union and insisting that they pick up their role, which is to, uh, which it doesn't feel that they have their their role to. Uh, uh, to bring this to to bring this to a conclusion. Absolutely, yes, and we have been attending the board meetings and speaking out, and many of our faculty have been uh, have been attending and and really talking about their experience. Right, let's do that. Like, yeah, I've I've had to move the student people have had to move to Richmond to you know wherever Fremont to Richmond. far reaches you know Oakland isn't far enough anymore to That's get true. affordable rent, right? So people have have been moving farther out. People aren't able to stay with City College. Um, people, you know, are choosing between health care and food on the table, right? So we've been going to the board meetings, and we'll go to the next board meetings. I'll be and, there. And let them know. I, I know that you will You will be there, Diamond Dave. <laughs> I, 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 was, uh, I heard on the radio this morning in terms of student housing, finding affordable housing yes. for students in the Bay Area, like it's one of the hardest markets in the country to find housing for students. Absolutely. In the time I've been at City College, which is um, since 2004, fewer and fewer of my students are from the city of San Francisco. It's, you know, they're having to move out farther and farther in order to afford, um, afford a place to live. Where are you students okay. from? So, um, a lot from Daly City, but a lot now are commuting from Oakland, from um, maybe from Berkeley, um, f but yeah, a lot down San Mateo as well. Yeah, and and also just kids who grew up here in the city who are choosing to live, stay at home, live with yes. their parents, try to save money and go to school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's absolutely, that's um, the community college system in California has been really a lifeline for students who are lower income and it's a it's a way of, of students being able to afford a four-year college education at a lower rate by doing the first two years at community college. So we, we have fantastic, you know, fantastic students who are going that route. But 
but yeah, the students are from, from everywhere, all around. And yes, some still from San Francisco, if they're lucky enough not to have been evicted, right? I, I know, you know, we have categories of housing. Right. Has there ever been an effort or a push to build student housing in the city? There has From City College, there has not, and I think it would be something so great. And I, some, um, some community colleges do have uh, student housing. It's unusual. Um, but some, I think um, the city, the community college in Santa Barbara, I think, has student housing. But then some of the yeah, there's some there they have access to some they share with the UC there. Right, yeah. and uh, I know that that some in New York too have created student housing as a way of making an education more accessible for students who don't have the money, you know, who don't have the money to stay in the city. Um, and I think that that would actually be a really fantastic. Is that uh, idea where the for colleges college. have actually? acted as a sponsor and a developer of that housing? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how it came about, but I know that I know that in New York it was something that the colleges did deliberately as a way of helping students um, not drop out of school, essentially, yeah. because that's, you know, for my students, um, it isn't so much the actual cost of their fees and tuition that makes it hard for them to stay in. It's the cost of, um, you know, cost of living, cost of paying rent, and trying to go to school at the same time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Transportation, yeah. The yeah. mission, where we are, has traditionally been a source of students for City College. Yeah. The Mission, uh, District 11, which is Excelsior. These are all neighborhoods that, in fact, where a good share of the graduates of their schools go to State College. That's right. And that's what it's been, and I've been at connections, so it's gentrification as, as, as more and more happened here. It's more and more difficult, as you say, to find housing, and uh, whether you be a student at City College or not. Yeah. It'd be interesting just to see if, uh, you know, a bond measure could be floated. Yeah. You know, before well, it's going to be one to, to, to finance student housing. I think that that would be a great idea. Right now, we're looking at developing. There's a big reservoir out right there, right? The and that, there's, you know, that's Balboa. in the process. That's what the Balboa thinking. Reservoir it's is been in the process. About of, for years. And I think, nothing. yeah, I think student housing would be a fantastic way to go with Perfect that. Perfect site. You know, well, yeah. let's make a note of that tomorrow at this next week at this time. Excuse me. Our guest is going to be John Avalos. All oh, right. In fact, I was Surprising. at his B-Day party, and he came to me. He came to me, Diamond Dave, I'd like to be on your show. And so I called uh, Francis and uh, her, one, of his, uh, one of his aides, and I could see she was uh, had already been told that Diamond Davis is going to call. I want to be a guest on his show. So I think he's going to be talking about his legacy. Uh, because I could see he was really up for it. His legacy, after two, uh, after uh, being termed out, uh, after two, uh, after two terms there, where he's run handedly in the second term, he, uh, his legacy. I'm saying it four times. I shouldn't be doing that. But his legacy, and also let's kick around some ideas which you can pass on to uh, Kimberly, who's one of the mothers who's going to be running, who's running for his seat. She's running for uh, Campbell's seat, I think. Yeah. No, no, that's Hillary. Yeah, Hillary. Hillary. It's Hillary, Kimball, Kimberly, and? And Sandra. And Sandra. Sandra. They're the three women. They were out here next week, last week on Women's Magazine. Yeah, it'd be interesting to push that idea of... Yeah. Uh, well, let's start uh, right here. What we, but what we, that's what we like right here, is to float some ideas, come up with something that hasn't come up before, and take a, and, uh, and and then bring it back the next week and the week after, and see how we can, how this, uh, how this relationship can continue and what this radio show, internet radio, heard by thousands of people, and 
the role that we can play since we bring people together who probably who are outside the lines. Speedy's here as a longtime friend and also the man who's running for the, for the, to, to the Democratic Central Committee. Well, which has been kind of dormant at times, but at times have been livened up with some real politics, which is happening right now. Is that right, Speedy? It's, it's livened up. It's interesting. I know. I've got to and keep I, up with my Macbeth. Macbeth. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell him when you're gonna get stabbed. In the <laughs> oh no, you don't know. I we, we did just pass the Ides of March, so uh, yeah, the Julie, Ides of March. All, all all little Caesars out there, be, beware. And a bunch uh, of Brutuses. <laughs> a bunch of Brutuses, really. I met a young woman. Uh, who impressed me, who's running, but I forget her name. Maybe you don't. I do have a slight. Well, anyway, just, thanks for coming down. And you're welcome to stick around and talk to Speedy for a while. Yeah. But I think to can, sum can it I, up, to sum it up, uh, go ahead. Uh, I just uh, want to ask one more question about this oh, strike that's been authorized. Yeah. So what are we, what's the, oh, what's the timeline here? Well, we Thank you, to, that's very important. Yeah, so we are, technically we're still in what's called mediation, but that has not been moving very much. And um, we expect to be in there, there are several stages to going on strike if you're a public um, a public employees union and so we expect to be moving into the next and final stage before a strike can be legally authorized um, that's called okay. fact finding fact so finding. yeah and that that we're thinking will take about a month so um, there, it, there could be very seriously could be a strike at City College um, by April yeah well we need to uh well, my goodness, by April. Yeah. And fact-finding, does another, does somebody else come in and do fact-finding? That's right, Other yeah. than mediation, That's right. state employee. Yeah. Who's that? Where is that going to come from? It's complicated. It oh, is, well, yeah. it's complicated, <laughs> right. But somebody's been coming in, some, some suit, if I may call it that, is coming in to do some fact-finding. And I, I, I read your uh, manifesto, uh, woman of, uh, humanifesto, pardon me, that's the word, humanifesto from, the, from 2121, where you announced to people. I read it to the Associated to the AST, AST, the Associated Student Council, Student Government. I read it to them, and they just looked at me blank face. <laughs> but I read it to them, and I suggest that sometime during, at the appropriate time, I always like to say, at the appropriate time, that one of you come in. If I, as I suggest they invited you, and they said, "Oh no, we had them on already." Kim Kelly Kelly, but that was a long time ago, and they looked really blank faced. But the students definitely need to know what's going to happen if in one day. In April, it's coming right up. They come to school, and there's a picket line. That's right. Yeah, we do need the students on our side. And, you know, the students have been tremendously supportive of the faculty, and they are with us. And, wow. You know, so, and we'll, of course, keep them informed and let them know what's up. And my students ask me every every class, and my students are saying, like, oh, are we, we're not going to we're not gonna come if we have to learn from scabs. Yeah. Right? So well, could there be scabs? Yeah, well, I, I don't think that. so. I don't think so. I don't know. Who would you bring? Who would be a scab? <laughs> and how do you be a scab in a... In a faculty, I don't think they will. Yeah. So if you guys close, if if, if just it does happen, a worst case scenario or whatever kind of scenario you want to call it, you guys when people kind of get off the bus there and walk, uh, will get off the bus, walk by that closed bookstore. And walk up, and there's uh, there's uh, there's their teachers with signs saying "on strike, shut it down." That's right. They're, they're, well, they're, all they can do is turn away. So it's up to if you are members of the student council. I said, be aware, invite people, invite the union, let them know, because if the if the uh, if the student council. 
at City College is going to be useful. They're going to it's finally time for them to stand up and wake up and, and get out there to the students and let, let them know what's going to happen and what could happen and how to do it in a good way. Absolutely, absolutely. And count on me, sister. All right. Thank count you on me because you can. Look at the smile. Thanks. I love you, sister. And I'm sure glad you came. Look, look. Goddesses galore. Sisters glorious. Yes. That's what I like to say. Yeah, and you're welcome back anytime, anytime. Jenny Please Worley. Thank you, though. And anybody else who, uh, you know, wants to come down here and has time, if you don't have time and wants to give an update on what's going on. Great. We're here yes. on Fridays from 3 to 6. And uh, if we want to schedule something for Women's Magazine, we could do that, too. That would to be the great. 2 o'clock show. Fantastic. So, thank you. All right. And good luck. Thank you so much to both of you. Thanks. And certainly we hope to be a voice. We are a voice of all of us. Yes. That city, in this city, on the planet, and in the street. Oh. Hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, do you get some music? In I, do, I do. I do. Here's, here's some, uh, here's some Utah Phillips because there is power in a union. Let's see if it'll actually play for me. Since before, I had a little trouble. The is, there is power, there is power in a band of working folks. When we stand hand in hand, that's a power, that's a power that must rule in every land. One industrial union grand. I'll teach you the chorus. There is power, there is power in a band of working folks when we stand hand in hand. That's a power, that's a power that must rule in every land. One industrial union grand. Have you got that again? You understand the chorus? Everybody got it now? All right. Oh, would you have freedom from wage slavery and come join the grand industrial band? From misery and hunger be free. Come on, do you share land to hand? There is power, there is power in a band of working folk when we stand hand in hand. That's a power, that's a power that must rule in every land. One industrial union grand. Oh, would you have mansions of gold in the sky and live in? shack that's away in the back but would you have wings up in heaven to fly and start here with a rank on your back but there is power there is power in a band working folks when we stand hand in hand that's a power that's a power that must rule in every land when it does in your head but don't organize all union despise if you want nothing before you are dead shake hands with your boss and look wise but there is power there is power in a band working folk when we stand hand in hand that's a power that's a power that must rule in every land one industrial Our share of this earth shall demand. Come on, do your share, lend a hand. There is power, there is power in and working folks when we stand hand in hand. That's the power, that's the power that must rule in every land. One industrial union grand. Power to you. 
folks, you're listening to the Common Thread Collective here on Mutiny Radio. Dot .fm and as i said earlier we've got a new website so now when you type in mutinyradio.fm it goes directly there uh previously uh, it was going uh to our our established active site which is pcrcollective.org org um that's our active site still so latest podcasts are still there while we make this transition but thanks so much for listening we really appreciate uh having this space as part of a community uh gathering spot so that folks like uh, faculty from City College and and artists and musicians and all sorts of people can come through, uh, candidates for for uh, elected offices and all these things. And uh, we're very fortunate to be here in the Mission District of San Francisco, uh, my hometown. And, you know, it's a beautiful day here. Uh, spring is definitely here, I believe. Uh, it's March, but uh, with with a lot of these beautiful rains that we've had, you know, you never know if it's going to stay chillier, but uh, it's a hot day down here. It's very, very nice. So um, maybe you're in some foggy spot or some place that's too hot and you want to come down to this afternoon, come into town and uh, find us. We're at the corner of 21st and Florida uh, streets here in the Mission District of San Francisco. And if you're like, where's Florida Street? Um, basically, we're run parallel to Bryant and uh, we're also run parallel a couple blocks away um, to Harrison. So uh, if you take BART to 24th Street, you can walk up 24th to uh, Harrison, hook a left, and then hook a right on 21st and walk a couple short blocks. And here we are. So uh, I'm going to play a little music for you uh, because it's such a beautiful afternoon. I think uh, we need a little Bob Marley.
welcome back. You're listening to the Common Thread Collective here on Mutiny Radio at Mutiny Radio live every Friday from three to six. Actually, our show closes wraps up around five forty-five, but you know we like to we like to keep it uh, well-rounded here. And so we're back live, Dave. Take well-rounded it away. is right. I'm looking at now my friend Wade Speedy Woods. We go back to some of the early days, coming out of the state strike, coming out of the state strike, uh, way back. Oh my goodness! Uh, the uh, uh, when uh, when the students came back, the black students and black students union. We just mentioned Benny Stewart, uh, and others, uh, and of course the Reverend Arnold Townsend is now a Reverend, but back then he was uh, certainly a leader, a, a, a spokesperson. Speedy, his brother Dexter, Dexter passed. No, I just left him. Oh, well, beautiful. Uh, half an hour. I heard that. I thought I heard that. Oh, God, I was afraid kind of to ask you. Well, I'm glad to see. Where is he now? What's he doing? Uh, he, like a lot of people, uh, he got, uh, because of uh, rising rents, was forced to move to these. Gentrification. And these are San Francisco guys. These are guys, what they uh, what they call the Western edition. Uh, I call them Fillmore, and so do they. That was, re- re- which all of this, all of this began, in a way, when we look at uh, the redevelopment there in that neighborhood. Are you right? Redevelopment. Drove that could destroy the neighborhood. You walk down Negro Phil- removal. Yeah, you walk down Fillmore Street, you see hardly, hardly a person. And we remember when that street was packed with people. Well, it was like 24th Street in a way. Called people, the Harlem of the West. Yeah, yeah. It was like 24th Street, too. People on the street. They, they had blues bars. They had, uh, they had uh, barbecue joints, Texas barbecue. All those places were up there, on there, and it was people just walking through, so giving high fives to one another and talking to one another. We're talking about bookstore. We're talking about all of that. Is that right, Phil? Yeah, actually, you know, uh, thinking about it, uh, I had an organization called Fillmore Media, and that's we right. collaborated with uh, Mission Media that's Arts. That's right, that's right. I just mentioned. There was uh, a show on KQED called uh, 24th Street, uh, Mission 24th Street, and we made a video that documented uh, the destruction of the Western Edition and the fight that occurred in the mission when BART was coming through and they tried to bring model cities and redevelopment to the mission and they fought to this organization called the Mission Coalition, which was a great organization and uh, the communities came together uh, and the neighborhoods and the mission came together to stop it. Uh, well, they stopped part of it. They didn't stop BART from coming through, but they stopped uh, uh, model cities and redevelopment from coming into the mission and it's on YouTube it's entitled uh, redevelopment a Marxist analysis oh my goodness that was us back that, then uh, see that history and that documented history of uh, the redevelopment battle it shows the battle in the south of market where they had an organization called tour which was senior citizens in the Filipino community their fight the uh, fight in Japantown uh, against uh, the uh, Japanese corporations coming in and taking over that. Then we had the Western Edition, Fillmore, and the Mission. And we uh, it's a documentary that is really interesting. People should show it. It shows the downtown people who let you know back in the 60s what their plans were for San Francisco. And a lot of it you know, they were able to wait a lot of people out, and it actually, 
you know, occurred when it, San Francisco became the financial capital of the United, of the Western, of the Pacific Realm, anyway. And, and I'm just thinking of some of those fighters. That should certainly be seen, Val. Take a look at it. Tell, tell us again what the name of it was. It's called Redevelopment of Marxist Analysis. That's and it's where, where we were back then. And uh, well, I put it right out there. And there's so many faces that we, uh, people that I'm going through my memory. I remember, remember from South America, we had the brother. We had a bunch of guys who were politicized really as merchant marines and came and really helped lead that fight, which is lost about the Mosco Moscone Center and the total destruction and the building of the high rises on those single. Uh, there was still a lot of single occupied hotels there. There were by sailors and longshoremen and people like like live there. They also, speaking of a Marxist analysis, that was their background and their politics as well. And we remember getting together. And in the Fillmore, we have, of course, preachers like the Reverend Hosea Williams, the Liberation Presbyterian Church. Was that Hosea Williams? Uh, it wasn't Hosea Williams. Well, it was Williams, it was, yeah. I it was Reverend Williams. I can't forget his name, but he was I, part I of... Uh, because it was an organization called the West Indian Community Organization and actually went to court and sued HUD and the Secretary of HUD and actually won. It won. The case went all the way to the Supreme Court and it won and it uh, won the battle that mandated citizen participation in the uh, redevelopment process. A lot of it, you know, in the early days was actually implemented as you know, uh, they were able to wait a lot of community organizations out, and That's they right. lost waiting a lot out of is the word. Yeah. But they're not waiting and don't have to wait out long because we have it gets uh, it gets shorter and shorter. Well, I want to mention because she was I mean, they bring back so many faces at that time. But I, I was walking down the street last week, I think, down there in what they used to call the Fillmore, and I look up and I see the Mary Rogers, Mary Rogers Housing Rogers, whatever it's called. Mary Rogers. Was it Mary Rogers? Yeah, her. It's the Mary Rogers Senior Citizen. Citizen. Oh. And Mary Rogers certainly comes out as a woman who was right out in front in all of this. Am I right? Who was ready to struggle in many different ways. If it take her to get arrested or not, she was there. Yeah. She would be turning over in her grave because a lot of people that turning lived in over the neighborhood didn't get the... weren't able to move into that complex. There was a lot of you know, irony in that that she fought so hard, you know, for Afro-Americans in the Fillmore to have yeah. affordable housing and then when something is built and named after her and then a lot of them weren't able to move into yeah, the complex. I felt a sense of total irony when I looked at that. And of course, I remember Mary Rogers, who was always there, who deserved to win a, get a MacArthur Genius Grant, because she was always there. Now, Amos, well, when did you get in the mix here? You're a veteran, and you're a veteran. You're both Vietnam, Vietnam veterans, am I right? Yes, I'm a veteran. I'm a Persian Gulf War veteran. Where did you go? Oh, you're a little later. You look younger for sure. That's the 2001. Anyway, we fought against that war too, and now we're here, still in a war that you could that you could say began right there back then. Oh, Afghanistan, Iraq. Oh, oh my goodness. But anyway, here we are still. Amos, when did you come to the city? I came to the city in March 2000. 
Okay, so you're fairly late to all of this. Yeah. This is a memory to you if you have that. This is what I call you can read in the history books because it's there as well. There are some good books I can make. I mean, books that talk about all this, but most of them are from an academic kind of perspective, no matter how liberal they seem to be. But let's cut to the future. I say the past shakes, I'm to the present and the future. The past shakes hands of the future to the now, I always say. And then I say dancing sideways down the ribbon of time, the path ahead lit by the echo behind. And we're talking about the echo of some of the struggles where veterans are, kind of battle-scarred veterans are, but now we're back on the radio, back able to talk to all the people who happen to have a computer, or happen to have a handheld device, but it's a lot of people. So tell me, Speedy, we haven't uh, seen together, we're, I haven't, we're much grayer now, and seen her talk together, but you're here when I discovered you're running for the uh, Democratic Central Committee. Uh, now, that's something that our voters, again, as I said with the of trustees of City College, that uh, the voters, that's us, of the City County of San Francisco, that's us, vote for it. If you're, if you're a registered Democrat, you'll see on the ballot that you have a chance to vote for candidates, there are a lot of candidates for the Democratic Central Committee. Tell us about that a bit, Speedy. Well, it's uh, divided into the, uh, uh, the Assembly District, the 19th Assembly District, which is basically the wealthier part of the city. What's that? Um, yeah, and out the avenues of Richmond, the Sunset, and then up in Portola Valley, and uh, St. Francis Woods, and around State College. And West side of the Heights, city. And, and the Ingle side is included in there, too. The other side is the 17th half, the 17th Assembly District, which is the one I'm running in. And that's in, goes down through the South of Market, through the Fillmore, through the Hate, and through the Mission, and Betrayal Hill, and into Hunters Point. So they will be in the 17th Assembly District, which I'm running in, there'll be 14 people. They'll be elected to the uh, Democratic County Central Committee. And actually, we just had the drawings in the order in which the names will appear. So I'm number 10. Okay, now who... Now, so does, does it say Wade Speedy Woods? No, Wade Woods. Wade Woods. Okay. Now I've talked and I've heard... Okay, so you guys have a chance. One, that uh, that uh, the money... Uh, the money for voter registration and so on goes to you, and, and uh, that's something which you get, which which you get to administer, to look over, to pass on, to well, register voters. Am I right? That's not actually right. I mean, I used you, to be. you know, it used to be when okay. the Democratic Central Committee and Democratic Party was actively involved in community politics. And they used to do a lot of registration when Agar Jakes was the chairman. And, and actually, he gave my first job in day. politics running the uh, Democratic Party office. And the Democratic Central Committee played a vital role in the formation of district elections because the regular incumbent supervisors in the Democratic establishment didn't want district Of course elections. they don't. They were elected at large. And they were so, not as the Mendelssohn and Pelosi and all those guys. And uh, remember, to, I was, in fact, I was around one page. Uh, I was a staff person for, I think it was called the Coalition to Register 100,000 Voters. And Agar would come down, and uh, well, the, yeah, the younger Burton would come down on Saturday, and we sit down. I think you were part of that, too. And we sit down and go through all the registrations, and they're the ones who 
would sign the checks. At that time, they were paying a dollar to every Democrat you registered, and that played a powerful role in the formation of Democratic uh, of, of district elections because money. What was that? Who does that? Was that a Bob Dylan line? Money doesn't talk; it swears. It's somebody's line. <laughs> it swears. Goddamn, it does. And. Uh, so, for the, so that was pretty, but we're talking about uh, what year would that be? That was early 70s, the middle 70s, right? 70s, 80s. Yeah, 70s, early uh, 70s. You continued, and but now, but now I heard that when let's go back. There's a lot of people running for the Democrat for this. Uh, for there's an amazing number of people running for that uh, for that uh, relatively unknown job to be on the Dental Democratic Central Committee. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, I didn't realize it was going to be like this. I got involved because a number of people have said, you know, it's no longer inclusive. You know, people of color aren't represented on the Democratic County Central Committee, specifically Afro-Americans weren't involved in that, in, you know, in the issues, the important issues that we have. Uh, a lot of people I know said it's important that we get engaged in the Democratic County Central Committee because it does play a role in the formation of uh, issues and policies like uh, the young lady we were talking with earlier about uh, there needs to be you know a push for a bond measure for student housing you know that's something that the Democratic uh, County Central Committee and Party should get in front of and should be taking the lead on that, you know. Uh, the uh, formation of uh, policing powers, you know, behind the Mario Woods incident, you know, that's something the Democratic Party should be involved in. There are a lot of other issues, you know, housing issues, bonding issues, you know. Incident, the whole I thought it was question, a murder. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the whole issue, you know, of... Uh, Police murder. That's what it is. I saw it. That's what I saw. It was like an execution. So, and, uh, so, so there's no one. I'm the only one down there. There's uh, Mr. Leno who's running for supervisor. He comes to the meetings. But other than that, there are really no uh, Democratic... Michael Leno, you yeah. Know, uh, establishment figures that actually come to the meetings. They go to some of the rallies, but actually involved in the involved, 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 and and there's being attempts to change the very nature of the circuit. I looked at 48 Hills. And I saw these various attempts that so far has been pushed aside to change the nature of the Central Committee to make sure that it represents the conservative elements. Now, let me ask you this, Speedy. Is it, uh, are, you, are you involved in some kind of slate, uh, to, into a slate, so we can send, uh, put out a slate card saying vote for the following, Speedy, uh, Wade Woods, and whoever you can find that, are, that you feel comfortable with to run, to, be, to play a bill, because I could see being the Central Committee out, making it a place where it could be a public forum, which I haven't heard from for years, where people would be interested in coming to talk about these matters, in which, like, the young lady who was here before, as you call her, could come, and the union could come and talk about what's happening at City College, talk about the need for for City College, for, for, for student housing, of student affordable housing, and all of these issues that uh, in which uh, gentrification is confronting us with. So, so I'm getting a little involved a little too involved. I do that. But how about a slate? Is there a slate? Have you met any other there, there, people running? Were, you know, like, uh, there was a progressive slate that was put together. Uh, I'm on that. I hope 
<laughs> Listen, I, I yeah, understand you the hope. All these I understand the hope in these because cases. Because what happened was we picked 14 people, which out of 14 people are elected, but uh, actually it ended up with 15. So someone on the 14, there's only 14 seats. So if there's 15 people on the slate, then obviously someone on the progressive slate isn't going to be chosen at one of the meetings. What happens, you know, is you go to various democratic organizations oh. and neighborhood democratic clubs, and they choose uh, who that they want to go on oh, their slate God. because some of them do mailings, some of them do phone banking, some of them give you volunteers. So you go to these and you try to get on them so you'll be on the slate that'll be mailed to that neighborhood because a person like me that doesn't have a lot of money, you know, the only way I'm going to be able to get in people's, you know, mailboxes so this is, a is if I'm on a, is on a slate. Who feel that they're the ones who are they're the ones who are seeing to it the San Francisco. They got their own. They're watching their own. Of course, they're watching their own butts. And uh, but to say it just gets too convoluted. But could we? Uh, could you let us know what's happening? And I'd love to know. Well, well, who am I? Is there anybody we know who's who might be on this slate? I, I don't who, have the list. It's well, like well, Tommy Almano's on there, Bevan Duffy. Well, well on those there. are the guys on the top. I'm David talking. Campos, uh, okay, uh, so neighborhood you, people. Uh, Cindy Lou is on there from the you know, progressive Asian community. Uh, Elizabeth, uh, who's a union activist with SEIU. Hopefully, SEIU will be endorsed on the 24th. I'm hopeful because I was actually, when I was working with uh, at the city, I was a member of the SEIU um, uh, COPE committee. So hopefully, I can get that. Oh, my goodness. Because that's, you know, that's the progressive largest union. The only problem is, is that. Uh, a lot of the members have been forced because oh. a lot of them are the hotel workers and the lower-paid lower, lower paid workers and city employees, and a lot of them have been forced to leave the city, so oh, they can't goodness. vote in the city. Some of the Democratic clubs are really progressive, and, you know, you seek out their endorsements, and I hope I get them other ones. You know, I haven't been in this process So you've been, well, you've been time. really working on this hard. You've been spending your days and your nights or your nights and days going from place to place. You've taken a... I hope you haven't been off more than you could chew. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, because it's not who you know or what you know, it's what you know about who you know. It gets to the point, you haven't been involved in this a long time, you know, where you can just go out and it's mouth to mouth. And we knew these people. Now you realize... That is so much money to become in it, you know. Money isn't talking. It's worse. You, know, you got to go out and try to raise money. You know, house signs have gone up tremendously. You know, we used to just silk screen our house signs. Now you got to go, you know, to the professional sign makers and the prices like housing, everything else in the town. You should town. work with local community artists. I've got, yeah. I'm working, working with, uh, do you know the Green Sisters, the twins? Melora yeah, and Melanie. Yeah, they're working with me. We're going to try to put together a whole artistic community yeah, behind I mean, the campaign. Amos, That's what's up. Amos, yeah. Just, I'm okay, finished, Dave. Amos. 
Wait, excuse me. Well, anyway, well, I'm glad you two met here. And let's see, we're going to get together. And uh, the whole is greater than some of its parts. And one thing you, you could say is that you've got a, a voice here that's heard throughout the planet and heard throughout the city here in Mutiny Radio. Brought me back together with my old friend Diamond. And that too, and all that we did back then, <laughs> all the struggles went through when my kids were really little. Because one of the things I had, I became Diamond Dave. That's a man, Zeke, who's long past, who's the one who called me Diamond, who first named me Diamond Dave. Yeah, Diamond Dave. Because they had, they're saying, what's this white boy doing around here? <laughs> and this is Zeke, and I'm talking about the Panthers, I'm talking about both sides of the Panthers, I'm talking about being a filmer, I'm talking about people who really didn't know quite who I was and I was playing unusual role and I have all these kids who are now, I'm now a great grandfather but you remember when they were little kids don't you? Yeah. And that was unusual to have the mixed kid Ooby Dooby, he's now this great <laughs> bass player we opened the show with him and playing the bass, he could play the bass he's now 50 years old Wow! Uh, 50 years old my soul is son what can I say? Look at me. Look at it. Think about it. So I mean, it came up to my waist. Wow. Yeah, they, were, they always had all those kids. And then Zeke, who's the, the head of security, is a big dude. He was the one. He was head of the security at Waypack. And they came to the Panthers. And he's the one I looked around and said, Diamond Dave. And that expressed. And they said, well, if Zeke says so, this guy must be all right. And uh, I, as you know, I'd be in situations where you didn't expect to see a white boy, but boy, they're always in the midst, treated as a fellow human being. Is that right? Hey, they should read uh, Bob Dylan's book, <coughs> where he mentions Diamond Dave coming through Minneapolis. Well, that's right, yeah, that's much earlier. Well, hey, Speedy, hey, thanks for coming by, and please let us, and keep, uh, keep us informed, and let us know in this progressive slate, come on back with that progressive slate, Hopefully you're on it. You should be. I know I could come and speak to you and know about the long history you have. You've been taking up a break, but your break was working with your break was working with unions and so on, making sure that uh, diversity were ex expressed in the jobs that the city had contracts for. Is that right? Yep. And uh, plus, my good friend Danny Glover being talented. And Glover. And I'm a talk him into coming down here. Yeah, Tom coming down here. I like to talk to him about a manifold thing. Hey, Danny Carver, come on down. He's out of the country right now. Well, when it comes, I'm just saying it. He's out of the country, but when he comes in, I think he'd like it here. And remember at Capu, when we were able to bring people in, like a member, Eartha Kid came on my show one day. He just hung out, and people would come out and really like the atmosphere here. Yeah, he's working with Bernie in the Midwest now, so since he'll be coming to the Exactly. We're talking, of course, that's taking up to the highest Fantastic, level. By yeah. Bernie, we mean... We want to get involved with that, for with sure. With Bernie Sanders, we will. And that's what Danny is really pushing when he talked to me, that the issue of the class struggle, you know, and people don't understand that, you know, uh, that it's really a class. That the Marxist analysis still holds. Okay. You said back then, we developed a Marxist element, and no matter what we think of people who now call themselves Marxists and want to impose their stuff, you know what I'm talking about. Any one opposer vanguard, but still we're talking about that analysis. And let's bring it down. Bring it down. There are a bunch of other uh, Afro-American, I can choose that word, uh, personnels and people who are now publishing and publicly supporting uh, Bernie. Is that right? Yeah. So that's like a conservative part of the church. Well, the, yeah, the polls show that he'd be winning in AD 17. I mean, you know, 
That was a couple of weeks ago. I don't oh. know after the Ohio primaries what the polls are now. Yeah, well, it's coming along. Amos, it was a pleasure meeting you. Yes, okay. And I love it, brother. Thank you, Mr. Woods. Well, that's what we're still yeah. saying, and we still have a chance right. to say it. Well, <laughs> yeah, and you're welcome back any any time, and we're happy to uh, to have this be a spot for you to put out your message because we'd like to take money out, out of politics in the sense that, that that you need so much to run. I think we just want to, you know, we're here for you as a as a resource to to get the word out for you. Money out, okay, people you. in. That's our new slogan. Money out, people in. Thank you, Wade Wood, Speedy Woods. Okay, well, let's put some music on. All right. And Speedy, I remember. I can, I can do that. Okay, good. Put some music on. Give me a call. Okay. We'll give you a number. We'll connect it. You got this good number, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, All right, a little more. I do. Bob Marley. Lord, I gotta keep on.
just moving along here through this Friday. You're listening to the Common Thread Collective here on Mutiny Radio. It's March 18th, and our guest in the studio here, Amos, welcome back to the show. Hey, thank you. It's nice to be back. It's been a while. Uh, Feels feels like a while. I don't know. I I, kind of keep track uh, with notes, but uh, the dates, uh, the the reason I keep track on notes, because dates would just like fly by me. Um, But I know last time you were here, you you had just come back from Turkey, Turkey. Mm -hmm. where you were doing some mural projects there. And then I think you were doing stuff here in the Tenderloin, if I'm... I'm, Also, Veterans Alley, uh, San Francisco Veterans Mural Project, yep. All right. Cool. With an update on what's going on. Just back from Turkey again. Oh, yeah. And and now we're talking about a situation, you know, uh, when you went back there, you found there's at least uh, twice as many Syrians in Turkey. I mean, Istanbul, you said almost a million. I mean, there's millions of Syrians uh, 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 in Turkey, am I right? Yeah, yeah, Turkey has like, uh, has three million Syrian refugees. So you've been in the midst of it? Yeah, I was, uh, was really essentially in the heart of it um, in Istanbul this time. So okay. first time I went down south okay. to southern Turkey to Antakya or Hatay. And I um, went there by myself and then I did a mural project. So I painted in the school by myself um, for these children, Syrian children. And then we did one mural on the outside of the school, a political mural with the children teachers and the community and um so i can't that was um february 2015 okay now this time this time i back. just got back february 2016 and um and um i had just spent uh three months in uh, istanbul and oh. um i created a mural project there um this one this is the mural project over in turkey it's uh for us it's um the syrian refugee mural project and um, oh, I created this one in um, an actual school uh, for Syrian children. Um, and I, 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 I was just taking, you know, what we've been doing here in the Tenderloin with veterans and uh, with the community and uh, especially the unhoused community uh, and the Tenderloin and um, those things that we've been doing uh, to help heal, we just transferred those over to Syrian children that worked perfectly. Um, school we um, we had was uh, one of 32 schools um, that are run by a, a, a Syrian run uh, NGO non-governmental organization uh, in conjunction with the Turkish Ministry of Education and we were given school number one Wow and so all of this you had to balance wow. and uh, put through and make this happen and these are Syrian refugees children. who are the children but they have parents who are settling down there, or settled down there, whether they could or not. And this, the idea of murals was fairly new to them, imagine. The idea of getting down and part- being self participating and actually painting these walls. Painting these walls and then, you know, and uh, painting their own walls. Wow. And, uh, and then really pretty much telling their own stories on their own walls. And, um, you know, because, you know, in the last five years, Turkey's taken in three million Syrian refugees. So essentially, well, in 75% of the refugees identify as women and children. So there had to be this whole new system, uh, education system that had to be just pretty much um, scrapped together um, for them because they just arrived. And um, these are millions of children 
um, that um, would not have any ed education otherwise. And so um, with Istanbul having 325,000 Syrian oh, refugees, um, they have coalitions like this happening between Syrian-run NGOs, the Turkish Ministry of Education, um, and the overall Turkish government. And the, what they do is they go out in the communities and they find older dilapidated buildings, office buildings mostly, and um, they convert them into um, into schools. And um, because there's so many children and a lack of space, um, you know, they're overcrowded. So the school we service, the first one had has uh, 150 students. Uh, they have seven rooms and they serve as ages four through 18 at okay. that school. And the teachers, are themselves refugees, I imagine. The teachers, the teachers themselves are, are former former um, principals, uh, administrators, um, graduate students from Syria. From Syria. Oh um, my goodness, he got this mix. And what is this, brother? What's your role? You're going to be going to, to Syria with him? Is yes, that what it is? Uh, I will be going um, in May to help with the project and okay. Been painting with Amos here for a few months now. Painting here in the Tenderloin, oh, uh, wow. Alley. And helping, um, What's helping. your name? Uh, my, na my name is Stephen. I'm sorry. Okay, so, Stephen. Welcome, Stephen. Stephen, of course. Thank you. Thank you, Amos. So, Stephen, that must be really exciting to you to hear all this and realize you're going to be in the mix of it. Most, it must be both slightly exciting and slightly scary to, to find what, what this is going to be like to go this, to what is, in many ways, a totally new environment. Uh, yeah, I, I know it'll be a bit of a new environment, as always, uh, when you go to a new place. Uh -huh. uh, but really, I just, I like to help people. Well, yeah, yeah lend a hand, as it's many called. people as possible. It's called lend a hand. Yeah. Give what you can and get what yeah. you need and lend a hand. Go ahead, Amos. So, uh, Stephen's what, 20? 19. 19. All right. So, oh, Stephen will be the youngest of us. Um, and because there will be three of us. There will be three. There will be three. So there's already, there's already someone there. His name is Muham Mardini. And Muham is 20 years old. So he's got you by a year. And, um, and Muham is from uh, Damascus. And um, I met, my purpose of going there was, you know, um, you know, my work is inspired by, you know, I live in the mission. Um, and it's inspired by the walls that are on the mission and the oh, story of, of, of the, um, the cultural institutions that are here in the mission, but then also things like uh, in Berkeley, like La Pena, which is uh, founded by, you know, Chileans um, who, were, um, who were fleeing Pinochet. They came here essentially as refugees. Right. And they created these cultural institutions that still endure today. And actually, I benefited from and so uh, the object um, for me, what I was seeing was is that many of these folks that are in Istanbul will never go home. And this is their home now. And, um, and they live in a community, it's called Fatih. Fatih is starting to be called Little Syria now. So it's this wow. area that's all Syrian now. And it's the ghetto. And, um, and so what we wanted to try to do is to begin to set the seeds of these type of institutions that would be created during, you know, their... Um, know their initial transition uh you know during their di diaspora um but would just take seed and become multi-generational so um the whole three months i was there i engaged uh muham muham's my apprentice and so um we did a lot of good work together and we got to the point where we got to the school and um he was ready and um before i left i purposely left part of the school undone 
and um, he finished it. And so um, we had an invitation from the NGO to do any school in their 32 school network. And so Moham started to um, engage the school, right, uh, after I left. So I'm like, uh-huh. okay, you have to do number two. And so uh-huh. now he's got all the brushes. He's got all the paint. He's gone through the whole fire. He knows what to do. He's got the yeah, confidence. So, but now, and it's so much more powerful when they tell these stories, when they do it amongst themselves. Oh, yeah, I bet. I bet. Uh, my work is not about me, but we. And um, so we got some really great news yesterday. And uh, he um, he's like, man, I want to do it in the neighborhood where we're close to where I'm living, right? And I'm like, okay, cool. There's a ton of Syrians there. All right, go, go find it, right? And I'm like, okay, it's in this local hood, this local school, and he's engaging these people. Now I'm like, okay, it's spreading. And so he comes back and he's like, man, I really have to talk to you. He calls me yesterday and I'm talking to him. And uh, it's like 10 o'clock in the morning and uh, 8 o'clock there. And I'm like, okay, Mohan, what's going on? And he's like, okay, man. I went, I talked to him. They love what we're doing. I showed them all the stuff, all the videos and everything. And they said, we can do it. I was like, okay, great. I was like, you can walk to go and do it and do this stuff, right? right. Go walk home in like butt. 10 minutes, right? Butt. Yeah. Coming. And he's like, well, and he's like, well, and then, you know, I left the first day and then they told me 150 students. And I was like, okay, that's no big deal. We just did this, right? And so he comes back and he says, well, I went back the second day. And they said, you had the zero wrong. I was like, what do you mean? They're like, there's 1,500 students. Oh, my goodness. Coming, so coming, now our coming. second school has um, a total of 1,500 Syrian students. Wow. And so we were just presented with this oh, my God. Uh, from something that we just created right there to really just taking root but this but then in such a, um, a, a very uh, interesting way in the scale, the magnitude of scale so quickly. And so um, I, I guess we have to proceed on. And now our, our, you know, our engagement model of what I have to create with these young men and women. Also, hopefully we get some uh, young ladies on board with us um, to create something for 1,500 students wow. by May. So Stephen's on board yeah. here. Yeah. We got your man Ooh, on yeah. the ground yeah. back there yeah. in Istanbul yeah. and yourself. Myself. And uh, we got a lot of people. We got a lot of fans out there. Uh, one fan, I give a shout out to Arwa Damon of um, CNN. Uh, she's CNN's um, uh, international correspondent for the Middle East. And um, and she's real. And she's been covering the Syrian conflict since 2011. And um, she uh, met us, and when she found out what we were doing, she brought her camera crew out, and they did this wonderful story on us. And so we have a lot of people from around the world now that have um, the story of what we um, were creating and how we created it. Um, And the object now is to figure out how do we do mobilize the energy that we've had from that, but also also from like you know here in San Francisco in our community, and um, and garnish all of the resources. I'm not talking like money. Together, together. Um, I'm talking like you know talent. Um, uh, ideas, cameras, 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 brushes, paints, um, to um, get these things. Uh, into those hands because we've set up something that, that, that works and we've also created like this, this really cool like 
not a need, but a want from the schools. And so it will be very interesting to see how we could mobilize that within our own community here within San Francisco and the greater Bay Area um, to uh, help create these things there um, in, um, in those schools. Uh, I'm just realizing yeah. what, uh, how amazing this would be. You talk about dilapidated buildings in a dilapidated uh, neighborhood of Istanbul, a neighborhood where, which you call the ghetto because it's, it's, it's a pretty much a Syrian neighborhood, number one. And on one hand, they're fleeing and been fighting for the government of Syria, which is uh, which he inherited from his father. He'd been a dictator, oppressing people. They couldn't take it any longer. But on one hand, but then you have the, the jihadists on the other who want everything to be Islamic. And, uh, and the schools, I, I assume, the school you're talking about are secular. In other words, they're not run by Islamists. Yeah. It, it's not about just uh, reading the Koran. There's much more than that, am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, um, but there must be a big but. How do you deal with that? Yeah, but is how you know. I don't want to read any death stories. I don't want to hear about any suicide bombers. But, uh, I want you to live through this we, and make it happen. Doesn't preclude us from working with, um, um, like the first school I worked with down uh, in um, in Hatai uh, was more religious leaning, but that was. You know, the people within that school and within the community, this was their accepted custom and uh, their accepted way of life. And from what I gathered, um, to me, some restrictions, of course, you know, I don't see me and myself being born and raised here in America being able to accept that. But what I did not see was like any oppression or brutality or people being forced to practice something that they didn't believe in. And so, um, definitely. Um, but but the engagement with the Turkish Ministry of Education, you know, Turkey, Turkey. This is Turkey is a democratic country, a secular country, and so we um, we definitely don't um, uh, project that or or even f help you know foster that. And we did run into like one issue in, in the first school, and it was with one teacher. Right? He's a math teacher. He's a damn good math teacher. He's a really good, I mean, he's really teaching those kids some good math. And, um, but he's a very religious man, and uh, I found him to be very ignorant also. Um, willfully ignorant of um, the things that um, the, the children were being exposed to, like, quote, like the peace symbol, for example. You know, issues with the peace symbol. He thought it was a gay symbol. And then that brought, then, then, then we brought up, that brought up a conversation about, you know, um, about, um, about homosexuality, and um, and then he's, another one was uh, and he, he said it, it was a sign for the devil, right? And then it brought up another conversation about you know religion and then Islam and then Christianity because we had Christian students who were Syrian right. that were in the school, right? And um, and then then but it was really cool and interesting to see that transpire because you know now okay I, I got kids over here and the kids over here they're like who you know you know like authority right we're going this way we want the peace sign then you got the school then you got the big boss kind of like bully kind of like teachers like and then the whole conversation and debate you know like happened within the school and it was like really cool to see that happen yeah and then, um they they come to a compromise on it and um 
so it's just like it's it was really cool to see like the dynamics of a school as it plays out with the dynamics these, of the world. The dynamics of the world. The world these new uh, youth are, are being yeah. raised now and. Turkey and Istanbul, very multicultural city, fast-paced city, and then you got you know these teachers that are displaced who are there who's teaching them, and they're coming from like Idlib or Aleppo out of the countryside, and they're right. trying to bring, and then you're having this clash there, and it's really interesting to see that happen like real, real time, and uh, because one you read about these things and cultures and diaspora, but actually see that happening there. Um, well, it was, yeah. really, was really interesting, and uh, it shows that, you know, this shift, um, because of the diaspora, that this new generation of um, Syrians um, will be raised with these whole different um, belief systems, outlooks on life, um, just because of the environments in which they're being raised in. And that's un- it's unfortunate that that's happening, but, you know, we all yeah, have to just life. Yeah, yeah. sit life back only. and say it's like it's four and a half, five million of them that are running uh, around the world. Yeah, well, I wish and, you well. yeah this, this, uh, this, the, all these brand new dynamics happening. I mean, it's kind of history unfolding right now. I know there was a, a few weeks ago, there was a... Um, um, a, a photojournalist had gone to one of the refugee camps uh, for Syrians and photographed and talked to and did kind of an art project with all these young girls, you know, ages, you know, like ages 11 to 16, let's say, I think. And uh, they, they did art projects about what they wanted to be when they grew up. And then they took it a step further and did this photography project where they let the girls kind of dress up as their future future selves. I saw that. You saw cool. it? Yeah. It was it was really cool and like had the girls think about you know okay so imagine you are the the airline pilot that you're dreaming of. Imagine that you're the surgeon that you're talking about. Now talk talk about yourself and how you got there. So it was this really interesting project of, of taking these, these girls who have been through, uh, you know, these horrendous situations, fleeing their homeland, fleeing violence, going across whatever kind of borders or water, or, um, you know, as things that have happened to them, but letting them look forward and say, what are my opportunities? So it's pretty, it's pretty powerful. So, I mean, the fact that you're there, that you guys are there with these school projects and these art mural projects, you're giving these kids an opportunity to say what can come from this. And these are kids of both genders, I assume. Yeah. They're, they're together, no, which is uh, anathema to the uh, Islamic State, which is not that far away. <laughs> and it wants to see this as a, as a the Islamic, I'll say it again, because I said, Michael, listen, what? It's right. Islamic State was not that far away. And we can see how, we can see how, oh, oh come and says other, but you're here. How's it going? Well, hey, brother. Yeah, come in, uh, let's see how you come right. and join. Uh, what yeah. the thing. Now, you, now, this is, uh, introduce, introduce this, brother, will you? Oh, yeah, this is Josh. Uh, Josh Lipson? Yeah. Uh, Jewish guy. And a, a <laughs> yeah, Sufi. this Jewish guy and sitting Sufi. right next to me. He's and a Jewish Sufi, like me. And, anyway, brother. And, and I met this character on uh, a return flight from uh, southern Turkey, um, from Antakya to uh, Istanbul uh, when I was doing, I had just completed the, um, the first uh, school. And that one I had done by myself. And I'm sitting next to this guy, and... This person uh, here, he was actually teaching English in the same town. What? Uh, at a school for Syrian uh, children. Syria. 
Yeah, this is Josh. And so Josh, welcome, uh, and so Josh, <laughs> welcome, Amos, Josh. and Michael. Steven. So this is the kind of the kind of another serendipitous uh, serendipity would say that, that the spirit brings us together to do more together than we can do on our own. And you've been there. You've been, you haven't been there, but you've been there. He's he's the young decide the young apprentice who's going to Syria because he's heard from Turkey. because Amos, going to, to Turkey. Turkey pardon me. He's going to Syria. Thank you. I've hey, hey, we, we are not going to Syria. Here. No, no, I just said that again. Yeah. No, shoe, no. This is close enough. So, Josh, so, uh, so Josh, uh, now you've been in there, there teaching, uh, teaching English in these areas, and, uh, and you met Davis, and you hear what he's doing. How can we, what, what do you say about this project, and how can we do more together than we can do on our own? Well, um, I, I think it's truly remarkable what Amos and his crew here and in Istanbul and in Hatay have been able to do with art. Um, obviously, there have been some communication issues across cultural and religious boundaries, well, but I goodness. think I think uh, the opportunities far outweigh the challenges when it comes to uh, comes to working in the visual arts. You know, I mean, I'm I'm a word guy, uh, and I feel like uh, feel like that's a little bit closer to the knife's edge. It's a lot easier to uh, offend people. <laughs> so um, I think just w what I've seen of, of Amos's work, uh, bringing together people on these massive collaborative projects involving paint and color and nonverbal symbols, uh, kind of allowing, allowing these kids to communicate their dreams in the purest form is is really special, really special. I think that's one of the most powerful things about visual arts, uh, especially is its ability to heal and to like really overcome things. Like you're really able to uh, work and work on yourself, like when you paint. And especially uh, a lot of these kids are fleeing uh, horrendous conditions, um, and being able to like reflect on that in like a positive way and to express it in a positive way, whether it be like through photography projects or through painting projects. Sure. Uh, both those are incredibly important. Not to mention like the education of like learning another language. And the very active things we accept. Like the idea of men and women, boys and girls working together, painting together. And so it's anathema to certain religious figures. It's anathema. You're not too far away, as I said, from the Islamic State. Suddenly it's Islamic to have women and men, boys and girls working as equals together, climbing up and doing the, the, a lot of the things that we're doing. And I, be, I believe that that Syrian part of around Istanbul, that neighborhood, will become a kind of a battleground because the jihadists and so on we want to recruit people and see this secular movement that's happening it there. That it is, it is, it is, it is, it is. Yeah. Mulham is 20, and, and so it's a group of young men uh, that are running around Istanbul, and they're, they're all military-age men, and uh, they're essentially draft dodgers. Uh -huh. And Mulham's a draft dodger. Uh, he was also tortured um, for 12 days, spent three months in the hospital. Um, and he was also an EMT. Also, so he was one of the white hat guys. So after the bombings, what happened? He would drive in and be on the scene. But he kind of got caught uh, giving medical supplies to the rebels, right? <laughs> and um, so um, these um, these folks um, they send their boys um, from Damascus. Uh, they send them over to Lebanon mostly before the uh, travel ban from Lebanon happened in like January, and they would 
give get them enough money to fly from Lebanon one way ticket to Turkey and just make it there um, to Turkey and survive. Um, and this is because you know at 18, you know the um, the government does come to your door, literally come to your door um, to draft you. Um, for the, the army. This is the government yeah. of. Call, call his name. Assad. Bashar, Assad. Bashar, yeah, Bashar. Assad. That's their government. Yeah, that's the government we're talking about. So that's where they're given the choice: either to become a soldier for Assad or get your ass out of there. Yeah. And don't go to jail, prison, which is torture. Uh, tortured. Yeah. And get your ass out and get to Lebanon, which you can't do anymore. Or and and, and, and you can't Turkey. and you can't leave and you can't escape to the countryside, but again, because then you have Al Nusra. Then you have Daesh or ISIS there, and we're recruiting. And then you also have the pressure, you know, the Free Syrian Army, they, they do support um, the Free yeah, Syrian the Army. Free Syrian, yep, the Free Syrian Army would not uh, force them to fight, but if they're in the FSA area, then that means they're going to be getting continually shelled. And these and bombs, so these uh, huge they bombs. End up, they call the, I call them the Lost Boys, and they're the Lost Boys. And so they all band together, and they get, um, they get all types of jobs uh, in the city. And they go out and they rent um, houses, and then they have 12, 13, 14 people in a four-bedroom house. Um, and they all work together uh, to survive. And, um, and Muham, um, he had some problems with um, being recruited um, in, in Talia, which is you know, on the Mediterranean coast, the city he was in for a while. Um, but then also in, um, in Fatih. Uh-huh. Istanbul, which led to the Turkish police um, having, I mean, arresting um, some members uh, of, of, uh, of Daesh or ISIS. Um, and, um, and then so it's uh, one thing that he said to me is like, ISIS is the, uh, ISIS, yeah. So one thing he said to me was like, man, you know, we keep going and I keep running and running and running, but this, this, uh, this keeps following me. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, here it comes. It's, you know, he's like, it's down the block, you know, and I go a hundred miles around the corner, uh, a thousand miles. It's kind of coming from all these different angles. It's coming from all those angles. And then, um, and then you know, some folks do live in fear of it. That's that's why you that's why you take the chance to cross the Aegean, you know. I mean, that's right. that's where you'll finally be free of that whole complex. Yeah, so so they well, you'll be free wow. now to get to Turkey, and now you're in Turkey, and now the recently in the last few days the door the doors have shut by one by one by one by one, and the Turks are going to be given a lot of money, ask for billions of dollars to keep these Turks to keep these Syrians, decide who's a real refugee or not, and uh, those who are uh, they decide real refugees. However, they make that decision. Goddess only knows. That's uh, I can imagine. But anyway, then they'll uh, be allowed to go north and go to the door will open if that happens, and for them to get to their promised land, which their mind is Germany. Am I right? Well, so I I have a friend. I I, I should put him in touch with Amos actually, okay. who uh, I met in Istanbul, uh, working at a hostel back in September 2014, and he has a similar story to Melham. You know, he is just uh, just about my age. Was nearly tortured to death. Uh, in a regime prison, you know, he was a uh, draft dodger and a subversive because he was an arts student in Latakia, and um, he's a psychedelic artist. Uh, 
tremendous guy with tremendous vision. And uh, yeah, I watched on Facebook this past summer as he documented his crossing at every step. You know, first he got intercepted by the Turkish Navy with a bunch of other young Syrian guys in July. And he finally made it over to the Greek shore and uh, was documenting his uh, crossing every border into Macedonia, into Serbia. And now this, uh, this Syrian guy is uh, living in northern Sweden. So uh-huh. he, he leapfrogged even past Germany, and he's waiting on word of official asylum. But in the meantime, he's producing tremendous art. Oh, my goodness. So this is some amazing, amazing stories. You guys have got, and you're going back in the midst of it. When are you leaving? Ah, uh, May Day. On May Day, and you're going with them. Yes. On May Day. And uh, you're 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 living here now, is that right? I'm I'm living right down the block, 22nd in Florida. Okay, well let's. uh, Neighbors. We have uh, we have well let's uh, let's uh, let's do a little circle. Give me your hand. Take care. You too. uh, Get it if we can. That is, I mean, uh, I'm, uh, I'm totally, uh, I'm, I'm totally impressed and blown away by what's happening there, and that you guys and Amos, you and you two going back into it, and whatever we can do, and I think you'll say this too, whatever we can do as fellow human beings to put out the word, to keep this communication going. I mean, this is, I'm, uh, when I'm listening to all of this, I say, Ant City, say, in the city, on the planet, and the street, this on the planet, how much is happening, and Amos, that you're going in the midst of it, with all these various possibilities, eventualities of what could happen, with the with Islamic state just down the street, essentially, comparatively, so we better stick together, and the whole is greater than some of its parts, and let's make that what we can do on here at Radio Mutiny, a way to put out the message, let people know, send us our, send us the word, and whatever you send the word, and maybe if you, you're just down the block, and you're, you stay in communication with all of us, don't you, brother? Absolutely. So let's uh, please lend a hand. We're a collective, and you're not part of this collective. This be the Syrian, Turkish, San Francisco, Planetary Collective right here on the, on the air. And everybody else, <laughs> it's on the air. And I love you guys. Uh-huh. I love what's going on. And uh, so uh, Mayday, so you can come back, yeah. Amos, and agree to continue as you hear what's going on. Because you're, you're, you're hearing us on a regular basis yes. from people, your brother who's there, who's letting you know regularly what's happening, like from 150 students to 1,500 students. And what the point is that these are schools that, in the face of all this, hope to be more or less secular schools. And that, in other words, they're not run by any imam. They're not run by any uh, imam. They're not running by all this. But these are schools that are in the hands of secular people. Am I right? Yes. They're going to have to make their own day, I'm sure. But it's on, front, it's on the front lines of that for sure. I can't even imagine. Is that right? If you go there, you're on the front lines. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, uh, you, you, you meet people. You know, I met so many guys my age who just a few days ago were, uh, were under siege, whether by the Assad regime or by ISIS. Yeah, you're right it's just middle. a daily occurrence. Just all this fighting rebel factions. Yeah, ISIS is Islamic State, yeah. which is just over a couple of border, which is there, which I guess yeah. has been able to permit the yeah. Turkish border yeah. uh, fairly easily in the past, isn't it? Second. The Turkish border? Yeah. The, he was saying that the, the, kind of porous, the uh, Daesh and Daesh. Well, and so yeah. I mean, it's been porous for uh, jihadis going down. That's what we're talking uh, about. And then uh, Islamic state fighters crossing over and and, um, and then using the Turkish border to bypass certain regions. But then also just recently, um, 
um, with Aleppo and the conflict that was happening in Aleppo. Exactly. Oh, uh, Turkey allowed, I think it was like a thousand, two thousand fighters um, and heavy artillery equipment to go um, um, from uh, Idlib, which is like more to the east of Aleppo, up north through Turkey and then straight down um, to the main highway, the main road uh, to Aleppo to uh, reinforce the rebels there. So um, Turkey's border is as porous as Turkey wants it to be. And then we haven't said anything. Um, we haven't mentioned the Kurds. <coughs> well, well, we. Um, I, I, I wanted to make sure that if people want to get involved with with uh, your project or support your project in any way, how can people get that information? And we'll put it on our Facebook page um, after the show when I post everything that's going to be on today's podcast. Okay, they can go to um, Vets Alley, www.vetsalley.org. And um, when uh, the webpage opens up, um, there is a link, uh, a tab that says Syrian Refugee Mural Project. You click there. And um, you can um, contact us from there. You can read about our story. Uh, you can look at some of the images of the, the work we've done and the students. Um, you can also donate um, from there um, monetarily. But if you just want to contribute, volunteer, or just, um, just give us a, a shout-out, um, just leave us a comment um, at the bottom of the page. It's just, you know, a comment page. It goes directly to us, and we answer it within 24 hours. Well, you guys are doing such amazing work, and uh, you know, thank you for doing this amazing work because the world needs it, and uh, and you're right there on the ground putting in that those direct personal efforts. Can I just uh, make a plug for another organization that's um, kind of approaching things in from a different angle? So I was volunteering with uh, New Day Syria, uh, which is a Boston-based organization with. Uh, full-fledged schools in Antakya, which is where Amos and I were both volunteering uh, back in early 2015, uh, and in Beirut, and they do entire container shipments into rebel-held areas of Turkey. Uh, so they're run by a Syrian-American couple out of Boston, and they do incredible work. I was their English teacher for a little while in Antakya, and uh, yeah, it's called New Day Syria. Point person is Nadia Alawa in Boston or New Hampshire. So. Okay, well, and, uh, since you live just on the block, yeah. and you're still in a year, I'm sure you're in regular contact with what's going on, with people you know and so on. For sure. Can you come, uh, whenever you feel like, on a regular basis, come and get us up to date? Would be my pleasure. Well, that would be all of our pleasure, because we got the, we did this circle, which means to me that we're all in this together, and we're able to put be the so. vo our voice of all of this, just on the block. You don't have to go to uh, KPFA across the bay and go through all that. You just walk in the door. And come on down. Uh, we'll be here on Fridays. I, I I feel welcome. Thank you so much. Oh, Thanks, yeah. Josh. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> Amos. Keep coming back. Thank and you. And Stephen. Well. Yes. He'll, he'll have your back, and he'll have your back. And you're going into, you're like, it reminds me of people went to fight in Spain. You're not going to go fight, though. That's a good thing. In Spain during the Spanish Civil War, and no. most of, a lot of them left the bones there, but they went there, and that was the spot, the Spanish Civil War back in the 30s, you know? Because it sounds to me more and more 
with uh, that, that what's happening there. I didn't even mention the Kurds. We have Kurdish anarchists. You were mentioning uh, the Kurds. Yeah. We might have that to be continued. To we've be we've continued. kind of moved forward of the, pretty far. We've got a few other, quite a few folks out here and only about 40 more minutes yeah, of the show. Yeah. But maybe this could be a continuation yeah, be for sure. Thank you again so much. Um, and yeah, Josh, we'll hope to see you soon back here soon. And all Thanks of you, for the invitation. safe, safe travels. And uh, yeah, all the best. Peace. Oh my goodness. The storm that the pillar refused will always be the head cornerstone. Sing it, brother. The storm that the pillar refused will always be the head cornerstone. Welcome back to the Common Thread Collective. You're listening to MutinyRadio.fm or if you're out there, PCRCollective.org uh, for our active site. And uh, we're, we're, uh, we're in the 5 o'clock hour, so we're going to keep rolling along here with our open mic portion. So uh, we've got author James Conrad up there at the, uh, on stage, and we've got Bloodflower on piano. Take it away, you guys. This, this mic work? Ooh, it's starting to sound a little hot there. Okay, hello. My name is James Conrad. I've got my book here, uh, Zordo Cleans House, and it's available on Amazon. I know you can't see it. I have a copy in my hand, but you can't see it. This is radio, <laughs> sorry. And uh, we're continuing along with the story of uh, 
you know, talking about one of the perils of institutional racism being that when you treat a person as an enemy, you create an enemy. And now, Zurdo, he's been to prison. He's come out after 11 years. He's learned that he has cancer. He knows he's dying because there's no stage five when you got stage four. And he's cried revenge on the people who have railroaded him and were one down. And now we have episode 60 of Zurdo Cleans House. Van Fong, a 70-year-old carpenter who lived at 2447 Warburton Avenue in Santa Clara, was startled awake by a thunderous roaring boom that shook his modest-sized one-story house, rattling the dishes in his kitchen cupboard. As a chorus of fearful dogs uttered frantic barks and howls above the background score of car alarm sirens, Van began to panic a little. What the hell's going on, he asked. Is there an earthquake? He rushed to his feet, threw his bathrobe on, and ran toward the door, tying the sash just before stepping outside. As he looked ahead through the doorway, he saw the orange glow of the garage attached to the house across the street from him burning down and smelled the smoke billowing above the flames. Up and down the block, house lights came on and people rushed outside their homes offering bewildered yelps that gave way to gasps of astonishment and cries of fear and devastation as soon as they saw the flaming garage. Tucking his nose under the front of his shirt collar to avoid the smoke, Van ran back inside his house, picked up the phone and dialed 911. Hello, Santa Clara County 911, said the operator. What city are you calling from? I'm in Santa Clara, said Van. And what is the emergency? The house across the street from where I live is on fire. And what is your location? 2447 Warburton Avenue, Santa Clara. Okay, we've been getting several calls from that area. The fire department has been sent and they are on that, their way. Okay, said Van, good. Just then, he began to hear the urgent wail of fire engine sirens growing louder as the trucks moved closer. Thank you very much, folks. That was episode 60 of Zurdo Clean's House. Tune in next week for episode 61. And uh, for our listeners out there, um, San Francisco is a very, 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 very city to, to be in and to do business in, especially... You know, as a uh, non-profit uh, internet radio station, that's the case with uh, Mutiny Radio. So if you're interested in uh, helping support Mutiny Radio and its programming, such as, uh, you know, the P- Pam Benjamin's Clubhouse and her happy hour, and of course, Women's Magazine and the Common Thread Collective and the various quality programs that we be- be bring to you throughout the week, please feel free to send a check or money order uh, for a dollar or more to and make it out to Mutiny Radio and send it to Mutiny Radio 2781 21st Street San Francisco, California 94110 Once again, that address is Mutiny Radio 2781 21st Street San Francisco, California 94110 Thanks very much, and see you next week. Enjoy the rest of the show. Uh, Should be hearing from our good friends Rainbow and Drift shortly, so stay tuned. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you, James Conrad. Thanks, Bloodflower. And uh, and uh, it's true. We, we're here at Mutiny Radio, and uh, we're we're dues paying member uh, members dues paying organization. And uh, if if uh, 
And uh, if anybody that's present wants to contribute to uh, the dues here to help out Diamond Dave. Um, I know there's a, there's a big uh, donation jar out there in the station, but if you wanted to contribute directly to this show, um, you can uh, put some cash in my hand uh, today and any Friday, and I promise it will go towards Diamond Dave's dues. Um, but we do want to keep it kind of, uh, we do want to keep it local, we want to keep it in, within the community, um, but that's the best way to do it. I promise I'm honest. Um, and that's the best way to help out the Common Thread Collective. If you guys think about um, doing, you know, five bucks a, a week or, or ten bucks a month or something, if you're if you're a regular um, member here or contributor, uh, that that would help greatly. Um, so, like I said, you can bring that into the studio and 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 put it in front of me, and it'll go the right place. Um, Anyhow, we're here with uh, someone who has contributed to the show here, uh, not just with his poetry and activism, but but uh, helped uh, buy us a few new microphones and cables. I'm talking about our friend Richard Sanderell. Hi, Richard. Oh, oh my goodness, that's me. I'm I'm, I'm almost ready. Um, uh, well, before I get started, I want to mention uh, the Port Laureate uh, is coming up, and uh, I'm um, I'm advocating for Kim Shuck. Kim Shuck is a fifth-generation person, has lived in the same house uh, uh, for five generations here in the city. She's a Cherokee woman who always reminds us that we live on a lonely land, and she has a real good bio, and I'm unable to get uh, uh, a printout with large print, so I'm going to ask my friend Valerie to give you a little bio of who Kim is. Yeah, Kim Shuck is a poet, weaver, educator, um, doer of piles of laundry, planter of seeds, traveler, and child wrangler. She was born in her mother's hometown of San Francisco, one hill away from where she now lives. Her ancestors were and are uh, Salagi, Sok, and Fox um, tribes, and Polish for the most part. She earned her master's of fine arts degree in weaving at, in weaving at 19, in 1998 from San Francisco State University. Um, as a poet, Kim has read her work around the U.S. and elsewhere. In late 2005, she toured through Jordan with a group of poets from all over the globe in an interest of peace and communication. She reads her work on a local on local radio frequently. I believe that's uh, we're talking Cape Who there, right? With probably Mary yeah. Jean uh, Roberts. Robertson. Robertson. Um, Kim's visual art has been included in shows both locally and abroad, such as a textile show in the National Museum of Taiwan in Taipei, and Art Women in California in the San Jose Art Museum. She consults with museums and galleries around the around California on subjects of native artwork and community inclusion. Kim continues working in schools and has taught at all levels at San Francisco State University as well as many elementary schools. Her work at the Exploratorium Hands-On Museum here in San Francisco is included in the museum's Across Culture series. She's been teaching since third grade when she organized and taught a class on crochet. Her work generally touches on poetry, art, math, storytelling, humor, and whatever else seems useful at the time. That's right. poet Kim Shuck. Kim uh, appeared with you at the Beat Museum. Yes, she and, I, Women's she and I were both featured at the Beat Museum for Women, International Women's Day uh, just a couple weeks ago. So, uh, Richard, uh, I definitely, uh, I'm definitely interested in seeing a, a woman at Sport Laureate. Kim Shuck would seem to be a really good role. Maybe, uh, do you have connections with her? Could you invite her down? Do you have connections with her, too? Uh, well, I'll to come to the show. Yeah, both of us know her, so I could ask well, let's her. Do that. I, don't, I don't know if she's uh, whether she's working or not, but um, 
but, um, but she does she, she does have a um, she runs an open mic I, I believe it modern it, it's at uh, modern times modern second, times second, second Sunday Sundays. of every month okay. second Sunday and starts at 4 o'clock okay we got, we're at the point of getting tight this uh, this be my, my brother Revolt and he's got some beats for you he's going to come on right yeah, after yeah I can plug those in right and he's going to do it right after uh, Richard Richard I know you have something you'd like to read and right. then we'll have Revolt on the show you can be either, you can be right here why not this is called Rents Due. The head of the Rumsons, Tony Serta, wants to give each veteran member of each organization a Native American Medal of Valor. Some thought this was backwards. It, it's we vets who should be honoring the Ohlone veterans and the Ohlone people whose land we live on. Some, are not, uh, uh, some of us are not ones for medals for wars, but Native people have traditions to pay honor. It was suggested one medal for each organization. Cost would be too high for each vet. It was agreed upon. At the ceremony, the Gord Society, whose members are veterans, was given an e a painting of an eagle feather that lies beside the veteran's cap. This is also the first year since Ruben's ship Santos, a veteran, hung himself. It was agreed we give the family a medal as well. Chip's mother was in Hawaii to see some of the, uh, so some of the family, the father, two of the brothers, together with a girlfriend of one of the brothers, and an aunt accepts the medal for the family. It was Veterans Day. Chip's, Chip walked with the vets, who may have been for the, some of the first people who made it achingly clear the tragedies of veteran suicides, along with the Ohlone, who dances in regalia barefoot and on the rain-soaked streets. Everyone loves seeing the Ohlone, just not enough to give him nation status. Veterans for Peace won Best Contingent that year. Everyone loves the Ohlone. Love is one thing, but rents do. Ugh. All right. Uh, <laughs> um, let me see. I have another one here. Oh, well, we'll be a little funny here. Uh, she asked me for my sign. L.A. at a party. Meeting a young woman who quizzes and inquiring minds need to know, who are you? What do you desire out of life? All the important questions inquiring minds want to know. Are her eyes inviting me or are they stop signs? I am unable to tell. She parts from me briefly. I want, to give it, I want her to give it up if she wants me to give it up. My inquiring mind desires to know. She eventually makes her way back. She shares a joint and asks me my sign. This is the time more people begin to check out astrology. I tell her, her Aries, which is a fire sign. This is when the inquiring mind has to go. Her eyes become stop signs, turns on her heels without so much as an adios. We will not be soulmates. I have the wrong sign. Fire, fire, light my fire. Richard's on fire this Friday. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Thank you so much, Richard. Hey, Richard. Yes. And now... Once again, we're not make sure that nobody goes away mad, nobody goes away sad, everybody goes away glad, able to do what they came to do. And here's my brother, Revolt. I think you got his beats. Is that right? Yeah, I do. Okay, Revolt, take it away. Give us a song. And then we got, uh, the, well, just to give us myself and you all out there, what's going to be happening here in the last half hour. So we're expecting a call. 
may All or may right. not well, happen. Well, we'll see if she gives a call in. Let's let's figure. Okay, let's I'm about keep to moving. go beyond that. Let's move in along. I'm going about that, we got Revolt here. You got the beach, yep. and, and we then got, we got then we got Rainbow, Rainbow. and Dave, and, and then, then we got James Ellis to take us out. All right, James. Can I introduce so this uh, song real please quick? Please do, please do. Go so, for it. So uh, yeah, this is a song I wrote. Actually, we was talking about Ohlone land, which is what we're living on right now, and uh, we got this thing called private property that I don't agree with. Makes me real pissed off. And uh, this is a song called Bolt Cutter's Work is written in solidarity with the Homes Not Jails movement. All right. Take it away, so, uh, I want to make sure I got the right thing here. It went back to uh, kind of a trick here. Uh, the intro mix? Nice. Track seven, Bolt Track Cutter's seven. Work. Okay, let me, there we go. All right, yeah. here we go. All right, turn that beat up. Finally sleep, no more time to retreat. It's right foot first. Begging got me nowhere, but boat cutters work. I said, fuck waking up on a slab of concrete. Jumping through hoops so I can finally sleep. No more time to retreat. It's right foot first. Begging got me nowhere, but boat cutters work. Yo, I might seem stressed. I'm kinda fanatical. Ripping out Obama's guts like it's lunch for Hannibal. Treating homies like animals with pigs in a flock. But real criminals ain't beggars, they patrolling a block. And they feeling a potent shock when we open in buildings. Landlords are playing the ball and we hurting their feelings Barking and squealing in the name of democracy When they hoarding properties like a game of Monopoly But this greedy monotony won't prevail, it ain't stopping me I'll sell when you drop the beat and never be obsolete Fuck waking up on a slab of concrete Jumping through hoops so I can finally sleep No more time to retreat It's right foot first Begging got me nowhere but boat cutters work I said fuck waking up on a slab of concrete Jumping through hoops so I can finally sleep No more time to retreat it's right foot first Begging got me nowhere but boat cutters work And yo, the only home that you should purchase and own Is the one you living in where your seed is grown My brothers that be sleeping on the freeway zones It's time to rise up and retake the throne All with bricks and stones, they can't stop us all United we stand and the rich will fall This ain't enlightenment, it ain't a vision I saw Any gasoline, go siphon it from the rich man's car This is class war, cause in case you ain't noticed AIG and Citibank, they already own us so before you give your homes up to fill their quotas i say fight the power see an end can quote us fuck waking up on a slab of concrete jumping through hoops so i can finally sleep no more time to retreat it's right foot first begging got me nowhere but boat cutters work i said fuck waking up on a slab of concrete jumping through hoops so i can finally sleep no more time to retreat it's right foot first begging got me nowhere but boat cutters work tell y'all during the day i'm a pacifist true but mess with my crib fuck with the rhyme book crew i'll go thriller on your ass like it's a full moon might pop like a balloon cause i'm always on edge fighting for shelter can't pay for no bread spent my welfare check on toilet paper instead cause i got sunshine up the crack of my ass shit in a golden brick with every track that i rap before i'm throwing any towel you know i'm blowing them off the map with my kamikaze flow like crap more than a bit unstable can thank the government for that they locked me up they shut me up odds against me always stack never getting a wink of sleep so they dropped me from the class on the hoods of cop cars getting caught from the back i remember my past that's how i know where i'm from we're all oppressed man you will not the only fuck waking up on a slab of concrete jumping through hoops so i can finally sleep no more time to retreat this right foot first begging got me nowhere but boat cutters
this work. I said, fuck waking up on a slab of concrete. Jumping through hoops so I can finally sleep. No more time to retreat. This right foot first. Begging got me nowhere but bolt cutters work. We don't see any American dream. We've experienced only the American nightmare. Got some Malcolm X. generation that's coming up now can see it. And I'm not afraid to say it. soon called revolution i've been working on this track's gonna be on it a few others it's gonna be real hot so keep an eye out for it you can find me soundcloud.com slash revolt right now awesome we're talking about is, Israel, is to get this on and bring it out we just talked about the turkey and syria and the people out there and how the struggle is won and we come and it comes right here so here you go brother hey road keep coming back if you want to give us some tracks of who we are and what we're about that, that, that if we want to give us some tracks in your human form we love that brother that's what i have to say to you so we got uh, so so we got uh, we got uh, rainbow another generation Rainbow and Drift to come on on. Will you give us a song? And then I see James Ellis here. And, yeah, I'd uh, like to invite so, uh, uh, Bloodflower up to play the melodica on this one called If the Bomb Come. Are we ready to go? There's a sweet girl. Some place in the world But don't you ever be is a cesspool Just take a look at the skin that you're living in I thought that you might like to know Violence in man. You say that you don't wanna die, but if the bomb comes, there'll be no place left to hide. And the word it is one I love the mother
think she is dying stuff thank you powerful powerful stuff on the melodica so cool rainbow drift bloodflower you guys just make it make it so so cool to be here and uh sharing your music and your messages and uh i know dave here is gonna be uh take it away dave okay hey you guys or keep it tight but now we have a call from the deserts of southern Utah. I'm talking about our sister, Christina. Christina, are you there? Hi, Diamond Dave. Hi, sister. I, I hear your voice that you get nervous waiting to talk to all these folks. Uh, all these folks, is that right? Yep, yep. I can feel it in your voice, but let me tell you this, sister. Practice, <laughs> I've told you this before. Practice may not make perfect, but it does make better. So having you calling in weekly, it'll become, and I guarantee it's second nature to you. Cool. Thank you, so when you come here and be sitting with us right here at a mic, you'll be totally relaxed, totally ready, totally enjoy the conversation. Have you been listening to the show? I haven't. I'm actually, I just was driving and I'm here in Colorado City at a uh, something that's unusual here, which is a music concert which is pretty cool. Oh, the, the music concert in Colorado City, of course, Colorado yeah, it's City. It's a usual thing. It's a, it's a religiously oppressed place. So I, don't, I don't think this happens very often. Well, really, what's the set of the various polygamous, uh, the polygamous factions of the Church of Latter-day Saints? Am I right? Oh, yeah. my goodness. Well, let me get a poem from you, and then we got James Ellis. Anyway, hey, and this is a poem you've written, and this is a poem you're going to be giving out, and by all means do it, sister. This be Christina. All right, thank you. Um, this is called My Heart Sometimes. And it's uh, I wrote it reflecting on my 26th birthday, which I just had last week, getting older. So this is a poem about that. My heart sometimes is a river of grief, 
dragging my vitality down into an underground sea, echoing in black caverns, rushing over old bones, sunk in the silt and frozen in time. Memory is a gallery of rotating tableaus. Every showing draws a new crowd. The next draft comes down the waterway from the silent obelisk, the fool on the hill laughing in his blind white castle as we, the rats, scurry at the mouth of the gutter, eating old trash, making ourselves sick. My heart sometimes is a throbbing golden sun, tender and spasmodic, something blue down at the bottom holding it all together, something borrowed lighting up the walls and plucking the strings, the marriage of new and old, the ghost and the machine. And here's me, 26 years, swimming in this drop of water. Thank you. Goodness. Hey, Christine. Thank you, Christina. Oh, oh my goodness. Keep coming Thanks, through. Guys. Keep talking to us. And whatever it, is, whatever it is that we have that holds it up in that, in that river that you're in, here I be and here you be. Hey, Christina. Yeah. And we look forward to having you in studio sometime soon so we can talk more about all the things you're about and uh, working on and the Diamond Dave book and all that. Um, so thank you, Christina, for calling in. And now up at the microphone, we've got James Ellis. Uh, stepping up there, and uh, Bloodflower will be joining him on accompaniment uh, on piano. Yes, I am. All right. Thank you, Diamond Dave. Hold on. Let's. I want to make sure. Little mic check. Chicken. Chicken one. Chicken. Got it. Chicken two. This is Bloodflower on piano. This is from the writings. Mr. J. Krishnamurti, this is the only revolution. Meditation is hard work. It demands the highest form of discipline, not conformity, not imitation, <laughs> not obedience, but a discipline which comes through constant awareness. Not only of the things about you outwardly, but also inwardly. So meditation is not an activity of isolation, but action. In everyday life, which demands cooperation, sensitivity, intelligence. Without laying the foundation of a righteous life, meditation becomes an escape. And therefore, no value whatsoever. A righteous life is not the following of social morality, but the freedom from envy, greed, and the search for power, which all breed enmity. The freedom from these does not come through the activity of will, but through being aware of them. Through self-knowing. Without knowing the activities of the self, meditation becomes sensuous excitement. <laughs> and therefore, very little significance. At that latitude, there's hardly any twilight or dawn. And that morning, the river, wide and deep, was of molten lead. The sun was not yet over the land, but there was a lightning in the east. The birds had not yet begun to sing their daily chorus of the morning. 
and the villagers were not yet calling out to each other. The morning star was quite high in the sky, and as you watched, it grew paler and paler. Until the sun was just over the trees, and the river became silver and gold. Then the birds began, and the village woke up. Just then, suddenly, there appeared on the window sill a large monkey, gray, with a black face and bushy hair over the forehead. His hands were black, and his long tail hung over the window sill into the room. He sat there very quiet, almost motionless, looking at us without a movement. We were quite close. A few feet separated us, and suddenly he stretched out his arm, and we held hands for some time. His hand was rough, black, and dusty, for he climbed over the roof, over the little parapet above the window, and had come down and sat there. He was quite relaxed. And what was surprising was that he was extraordinarily cheerful. There was no fear. No uneasiness. It was as though he was at home. There he was. With the bright river golden now and beyond it, the green bank and the distant trees. He must have held hands for quite a time. Then almost casually, he withdrew his hand, but still remained there. Where he was, we were looking at each other. You could see his black eyes shining, small and full of strange curiosity. He wanted to come in the room, but hesitated. And stretched out his arms and his legs, reached for the parapet and over the roof and gone. In the evening, he was there again on a tree high up eating something. We waved to him, but there was no response. Do not think that meditation is a continuance and an expansion of experience. In experience, there is always the witness. And he is ever tied to the past. Meditation, on the contrary, is that complete action, which is the ending of all experience. The action of experience has its roots in the past, and so it is time-binding. It leads to action which is in action and brings disorder. Meditation is a total inaction which comes out of a mind that sees what is. Without the entanglement of the past, this action is not a response to any challenge, but is the action of the challenge itself in which there is no duality. Meditation is the emptying of experience and is going on all the time, consciously or unconsciously. So it is not an action limited to a certain period during the day. It is a continuous action from morning till night. The watching. Without the watcher. Therefore, there's no, no division between the daily life and meditation, the religious life and the secular life. The division comes only when the watcher is tied to time. In this division, there is disarray, misery, and confusion, which is the state of society. So meditation is not individualistic. 
Nor is it social, it both and s- transcends both and so includes both. This is love. The flowering of love is meditation. The flowering of love. Thank you, James Ellis, for reading J. Krishnamurti. Piano playing. And here's our combination for once again, here we be. Um, here we be, another kind of conversation with our fellow human beings setting around the uh, waves. And here's Rumi, from the 15th century. The one who brings wine pours again. And no need to ask. Do you, want, do, do you ask the moon to rise and give its light? When ranks of soldiers dissolve, Dismissed for a holiday, when a lost hand reaches to touch the rescuing hand, when a candle next to a mirror, scone, gives light, your presence enters my soul. Be the spirit, the spirit within and without, and what we're about, we want to send our, send our love and regard out to all the folks out there. It's about doing more together than we can be on our own. We heard about our brothers and sisters there in Turkey. We heard about what was going on at City College. Uh, at, so we're talking about at City. I end with this. At City, in the city, on the planet, and in the street. That's where we aim to be. Common Thread Collective, Mutiny Radio, Valerie and come Diamond Dave. Hey, Valerie, take it away, will you, sister? Beautiful. It's been a beautiful show here on the Common Thread Collective today. Thanks all you fantastic people for showing up and being who you are and spreading your messages and spreading your love and positivity. And we're happy to be here as a, as a, a venue and as a, well an amplifier for all this expression. And uh, I know Bloodflower is still playing out there, so uh, maybe that's how we'll wrap up the show. I'll read a, read a little poem and let Bloodflower keep playing. And this is called, Why Fight? Why fight? Fear instigates gumption, holding true to something survival would have us wanting to attain. But edicts point to achievements, and so words remain as the swan neck of our songs. Fighting to be right, fighting against a wrong, we've been fighting for too long. Stop conquest and stop clatter. Stop pressing the stress when it doesn't matter. It's the static of chatter. And so who knows where that frenzy goes to fizzle out. So much huffing and puffing into the thick air, clouding up our atmosphere, adding to a smoky mirror. Would we not want an energy output to be more pure? Adding our own rich alchemy to our planetary electricity. A tincture, not a toxin. A means, not a medicine, not a holy breath, but a whole intention. Oh, wow. Thank you, Valerie. Wow. 
Thanks, everybody. We'll be back next week. And until then, lots of love to you. <laughs> what a perfect ending to a really great show. We appreciate everybody uh, for doing what you do. Peace. And we love you from the Common Thread Collective. Happy Women's Month, too. That's right. Blood flower fucking A. <laughs> Yeah, and also I know Richard Sanderell was in here earlier nominating Kim Shuck for Poet Laureate of San Francisco. You can vote for that. Go to any public library branch and ask for a ballot for the San Francisco Poet Laureate. Don't hold back. I woke up in the morning with initiative to move, so I make it harder. Don't hold back. If you think about it, so many people do be cool and look smarter. Don't hold back. And you shouldn't even care about those noses in the air and the crooked stairs. Don't hold back. Cause there's a party over here So you might as well be here with the people care Don't hold back The world You're holding back The time has come to The world You're holding back The time has come to The world You're holding back The time has come to
That is exactly what he does. Select music from here. Train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday, 10 to noon on MutinyRadio.fm. Freeform radio for free minds. Did you know that compact fluorescent light bulbs use 60% less energy than regular light bulbs? And that each one saves about 300 pounds of carbon dioxide a year. If all Americans switched to CFLs, we would save more than 90 billion pounds of carbon dioxide. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Muni Radio in San Francisco. People from all over the Bay Area come to the Lindsay Wildlife Museum to experience close encounters with live wild animals. 
The museum's living collection features more than 50 species of non-releasable native California animals. Visitors can see and learn about wildlife such as eagles, owls, bobcats, coyotes, reptiles, and other fascinating creatures. The museum's world-renowned Wildlife Rehabilitation Hospital treats more than 5,000 wild animals each year with the goal of returning them to their native habitat. The Lindsay Wildlife Museum is in Walnut Creek. To learn more, visit wildlife-museum.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Meals on Wheels is dedicated to fostering independent living for San Francisco seniors by providing hot, nutritious meals delivered to their homes. They're committed to fostering independent living for as long as possible. For more information, please call Meals on Wheels at 415-920-1111. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. chairs, baby. Hey! It sounds very Jewish, Zach. It's Russian. Yeah. No Jews involved. Russian Jews. Mm, uh, very oppressed Jews. Yeah, Those, We're true. not gonna... These weren't, these weren't good... Uh, these weren't Jews with upward mobility. No, uh, no, not so much. Well, that's the thing about trying to run the banks in a communist society, is that the capitalists really have all the banks. Um, you know that old saying, you know... Uh, in order to run all the banks, you got to break a few Jews. Is that the... Yeah, I think that's how it goes. I'm pretty good. <laughs> um, this is Communist Folding Chairs. Uh, welcome to the show, you lazy shitbags. Hi. I, I like to appeal to my audience space. Yeah, that, this is why people boo you, Zach. Sit 